on this program by its guests do not necessarily reflect the views or beliefs of the host or radio network. And this program's sole intent is to help educate, foster critical debate, and help raise and discuss political and social issues which already exist in the public domain. Thank you and enjoy the program. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a special edition of the Sunday Wire. We are in a special location, a very special week. We're here broadcasting live uh, from Austin, Texas, alongside South by Southwest Festival. We're here in studio with uh, with a pretty much the full complement of the Boiler Room crew, live and direct. I'm here in studio with Hesher, producer at Alternate Current Radio, and uh, he's our... Our man on the board, uh, Infidel Pharaoh from the Boiler Room, Randy J, in the house, uh, the lovely Spore, and uh, also uh, Mark Anderson uh, interloping for the weekend here at Alternate Current Radio. And uh, so we got a lot to talk about, and we'll go around the room and uh, and just uh, introduce everybody uh, shortly. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we're here. At, uh, this is the ACR first annual ACR. Uh, 21 Wire Summit uh, down here in Texas. So it's great to be here. We've had a few uh, supporters drop into uh, uh, Texans, and uh, it's great to see you guys last night. That was a fantastic broadcast. Thank you very much. That was really fun. Hesher for uh, putting that together. <laughs> and Randy as well. You guys did a Spartan job, and uh, we're still looking at these cables and wires here and wondering where everything leads to. Uh, but uh, just just a little introduction. Uh, say hello, everybody. First time on the show, Infidel Pharaoh uh, of Boiler Room fame. Thank you for joining us here on the Sunday Wire this morning. Thank you, Patrick. So, what do you think? What do you what do you think about Texas? Uh, you've already been to Texas, haven't you? Yeah, but I never been to this part of Texas before. So, so you're one of the rare people who's uh, driven and visited almost every U.S. state except for Hawaii. No, except Alaska. Oh, except Alaska. Okay. So most Americans, by the way, haven't done that. <laughs> Just to let you know, probably 99% of Americans have not done that. So It made me connect with this land, for sure. Yeah, so you've seen, you've seen a lot. It's a beautiful country. It is. It's a beautiful country. And it's a diverse 
uh, landscape. There's some amazing parts of this country. So, Randy J., uh, a.k.a. Randy Johnson, is also a contributor for 21st Century Wire and uh, a regular on the boiler room. How, how was that experience last night, Randy? Surreal. Surreal. Because um, usually it's, you know, remote. It's where, it's where I live. And but look, looking at everybody, um, you know, and, and broadcasting at the same time is that, that's new for me. So that that made it that made it fun. Um, and it, it just went off seamlessly. I thought I thought it was a good show um, last night on the forum. For anyone that missed it, it's it's archived out there, I believe, already. Uh, and um, it's, it's there for the viewing too, which is also different. Yeah, we had a live video stream thanks to uh, the great Ron Avery. Uh, a native of Texas, probably the only true Texan we had in the house. We're all sort of, uh, well, you're a refugee. Got a California refugee temporarily in stasis here. Yep. And, uh, and the Appalachian, from the Appalachians, uh, Infidel. And California refugee, a real right. refu- real refugees, actually. Yes, we did, we, we did our best not to bring California with us, so <laughs> I think Texans appreciate that. Do you remember Escape from New York with uh, Kurt Russell? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So it was Escape from California. Yeah, it was. So you guys did good. I mean, that's that's a tough one. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a big accomplishment. It took a lot of, uh, a lot of oomph. And uh, hello, Mark Anderson. You, uh, you're living in this uh, great big state. Absolutely. South Texas, the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, I'm at the border a lot. I look at the border wall. I like to tap my coffee cup on it. Dink, dink, dink. It's a border fence, of course. Yeah, I'm a Michigan refugee, although I didn't escape Michigan like I got to get out of here, but I just stay long winters down here and only go there during the summer when it's too hot in South Texas. But, yep, uh, we had a great show last night for Alternate Current Radio, and like was mentioned, that's on the Internet at um, Ron Avery's live stream. We'll give that address a little bit later, and we're keeping a real close eye on South by Southwest. We already see that the South Bend mayor is there. We kind of fiddled with that last night, and boom, there he is. So we can talk about that and all sorts of good stuff. You're, st- you're sporting a bolo tie as well, Mark. I like that. Yes, yeah. It's among my vast collection. I have one bolo. The rest are regular ties. So, so that's jade. That's a jade. Uh, uh, or no, what is that? Oh, no, it's turquoise. turquoise. So that's a native, probably a Native American uh, design, right? Yeah, yeah, and I got my first set of cowboy boots about a year and a half ago, so, you know, I'm sort of a Texas poser. <laughs> Randy was sporting some pretty mean cowboy boots. I don't uh, know if the, I'd call them Tex-Mex, maybe, literally, because <laughs> yeah. they were from Mexico. Um, I don't think it was an endangered species I was wearing on my feet, nothing like that, but... uh, uh Probably a species of some sort. I and, thought they uh, might have been snakeskin. It's <laughs> a sign That's of a my independence. Snake. Right, right. Chupacabra, perhaps. Perhaps chupacabra skin, <laughs> yellow, orangish um, cowboy boots. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, on uh, also joining us uh, in the in studio is the lovely Spore. Uh, so great to have you. That was uh, wonderful last night. Great broadcast. Yeah, great to be here. It's it's like Randy said, surreal to be sitting here next to you, Patrick Henningsen, on the Sunday Wire. I'm usually kind of kicking back while Hesher's doing the production in, uh, in studio back at the house. So this is really cool. And so last night we were kind of dark. It was a nighttime environment because the show bled into the evening. 
Uh, and so here, this is kind of we're still in the morning. So uh, it was uh, luckily everybody made it up. This was a bit of a late light, late night last night. I think we're smarter in the morning, so they're really in for a good show. Yeah, yeah everything's fresh. <laughs> so everything's fresh. So I don't know what to 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 talk about. I mean, let's let's talk about uh, let's throw some news out. Uh, if 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 you don't mind, is everyone game with that? Absolutely. Go, okay. Go yeah. this, okay. This is what's happening uh, around the world. These are the things I want to talk about today, and I want to talk about uh, some important issues. The theme of this show is radio rules. Hey, I like it. Radio rules. So rules for radio, or radio rules, whichever you prefer. We can go both ways with that. So so I want to talk about. Firstly, I just want to acknowledge uh, and talk about radio as a resurgent. Uh, communications medium and so radio took a hit uh and with uh what was that song video killed the radio star yeah that's who, the one who, who was the band that played I forgot i'll the, find out for you i forgot the band who played that but uh that was in the 80s that was the first by the way the first mtv video ever was that that's interesting video killed the radio star so huh. what's happened is uh broadcast radio has taken a bit of a hit uh, in the age of cable television and also in the, in the internet, but there's now a resurgence in podcasting and and also live internet radio. There's not that many live internet radio networks that I would listen to. Yeah, and I'm not biased or anything, but I think alternate current radio is pretty good, and so it's going to get better and better from strength to strength, and it's already kind of going from strength to strength. So we have this amazing mix on this network of talk radio uh, and podcasts and really heady stuff, and then music as well. And it's coming out in stereo, almost FM quality stereo, isn't it? It is, yeah, absolutely. I've always been really impressed with uh, the, the sound quality at Spreaker, which is our primary broadcast platform for all our live shows mm-hmm. and uh, our archives as well. And it blows me away. You know, sometimes I look at the encoders. Is this really 128K? You know, it mm-hmm. sounds higher than that to me when you compare it to some of the uh, the older stations and some of the other stations out there. It's just, it's a really uh, high quality stream in general. How many of you guys have stre- streamed uh, ACR in your car via Bluetooth connection? On the, Have you managed to do that on the live? I have, yeah. You I have. do that I all have. the time. Yeah, me too. All the time. Yeah, that sounds good, doesn't sounds it? Sounds awesome. It sounds good. So, I mean, we, we that's that's amazing. So, I was also reading, say, podcasting is at its infancy, uh, a lot of people are saying right now. It's just getting started. Uh, and so, why is that? Is that, I think, just because there's uh, better technology in terms of easier to produce a good podcast? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's easier to produce uh, these days for sure. I mean, one can train themselves to to do that, to set that up, to run it. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people are, are starting to realize, hey, you know, these it's much more interesting to listen to normal people talk than, you know, some big production that's coming out of, you know, one of the big radio production places. It's, it's I think it's the same with YouTube. I think that's why YouTube has become so popular because people like, they're tired of all this packaged, polished, you know, junk that's been coming out of the mainstream media. So we've got YouTube now. Anyone can be on video. You know, plenty of platforms other than YouTube for that, too. Many are rising, you know, as YouTube has sort of pulled a bait and switch on its its uh, creator base now and trying to commercialize it and making it more television-esque. Uh, but... You're right. The technology has come along to a point where anybody can do a video cast or a podcast uh, with a little bit of investment and a little bit of talent 
You know, that's all you really need to get started. And you don't even really need the little bit of talent because you'll get it if you keep showing up. It'll yeah. it'll come. Yeah, it develops. So, uh, and we, yeah, we had a couple of listeners have told us, you know, have told me over the years recently as well uh more than one person that they would say things like oh thank thanks a lot and i i really loved and appreciate that broadcast you talked about such and such that was going on in my life at that time and just a little comment here a little comment there and i'm sure you get this on on the boiler room as well because you guys touch on a lot of absolutely yeah we've had we've had some of our favorite listeners straight up tell us that we've saved their lives and you know i don't say that braggingly or anything like that i mean it's very humbling to hear something like that so they're going through tough times and uh challenging times in their life so it was like kind of a lifeline of sanity yes to be able to tap in and stream on the radio and have that sort of on demand or live uh so i think there's a lot to be said for that and i don't think it's that intimate with youtube um, there's something about audio. There's something about radio that is much more. And I listened to a lot of talk radio when I lived in uh, Phoenix, and we had a, a show on on the talk radio network as well. Right, we dipped our toes in the uh, mainstream talk network there, didn't we? Yeah, with uh, KFNX uh, out of Phoenix, great uh, talk radio network, one of the biggest talk radio markets in the country, actually, on independent talk. And so, even like Michael, does anybody listen to Michael Savage or any of these guys? You- I used to. Used to, yeah, yeah and um, Levine. Mark Levine. Okay. Yeah, it's a mixed bag. Yeah, Levine's voice is too screechy. I, I just have trouble listening to that guy. But uh, but Michael Savage cracks me up. He's to me he's hilarious. I, I, he's totally bombastic on mm-hmm. a lot of things. But he has a kind of way of pulling you into his world, into his brain. I don't. Know, do you listen to Savage? I I know of him. I listen to him time to time. I'll, I'll tune tune into him and. You know, I get a lot of commute time out there in uh, Los Angeles at different times, and he's broadcast at different times. But I'll always listen to, I'll always listen to him or um, Mike Savage. There's another one named Joe Pags that comes on. There's just different um, talk shows I'll, I'll turn into just to see what's going on, just to hear something different from um, the very sanitized, probably totally scripted. Um, you know, mainstream media type of uh, broadcast, which tends to be in that other form of medium you were talking about, the television. So, but yeah, I, I listen to Mike Mike Savage every now and then, um, but haven't caught him, haven't caught him lately. Haven't caught him lately. How about you? What's uh, do you listen to talk radio on uh, up there in your uh, neck of the woods? Uh, sometime. Uh, sometime I'm, I, I don't tune in uh, too much. Really, I've been <laughs> focusing more on. 21 wire and returning current radio but I do listen actually I've been tuning in more to more of the on spot like Periscope and things like that you know which actually uh, I think it's it's actually gaining more potential Yeah, which yeah. adds to what Hashar was saying which is people <coughs> like more the um, like non-packaged yeah like a, uh, like a do it yourself yeah 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 so there's another broadcast platform Periscope's gotten big yeah, yeah periscope uh also facebook live streaming you know a lot of people just that, that's another good place to start if you don't have any gear and you don't really know what you want to do you can anyone with a cell phone and a facebook and just say you know what i'm gonna go live for a second and see what happens we might we might do a facebook live stream uh, after the next break that'd be cool let's do that yeah we'll fire up the iphone or whatever and we'll uh We'll run a live little live stream action. All right, yeah, that's a good way to handle it. There we go. Three hundred and sixty degrees. So, how about you, Sport? Are you uh, 
No, do you, you, you do a lot of commute time? You guys don't have a lot I of commute no time. I have no commute. I um, all the radio listening I do is on ACR these days. I I did back in the day. I used to listen to um, podcasts or you know Alex Jones quite a bit a few years back. But I'm, now I'm, I focus on Twenty One Wire and Boiler Room. <laughs> and you guys got two music shows as well, which you host. Yeah, I I host uh, Anarchy with Spore. It's an hour long music show on Saturday nights. It's right before a Hessian session, which is um, my show is a sort of a, a variety show. I do a little something different every week, and then um, it's followed up by Hessian session, which is a full on metal show. It's pretty rocking. Yeah, so that's uh, we got some diversity on the uh, on the network. Yeah, yeah, so, that's right. And you, I mean, uh, so I, I listen to your stuff, Spore, and it's sort of like you, you take a genre or you take like a decade, and you just like got all the best stuff from that je- that decade or that genre within that decade. Yeah, it's um, it's either I do tributes to certain artists, um, or I'll do specific genres like like chosen by time, or even just um, you know, just by a genre. But I always get the best. I like the seventies and the eighties. <laughs> your eighties your stuff is epic. Thank you. Thank really you. good. I mean, it's good. Brings back memories, obviously. But you you pick the best, the best stuff. Basically, That's right. I got to check that out. <laughs> the eighties stuff. Her, yeah, you should check out her archive on uh, ACR. It's it's good because they're they're evergreen. Your shows are evergreen. You can just replay them. Yeah. Oh, cool. Was uh, Hesh and so Hesh, you you're the metal resident uh, metal head. Uh, at ACR, the guilty name, high, energy. <laughs> the high yes. energy, not like Jeb Bush, but but real high energy. <laughs> the name gives it away. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, and you're sporting the uh, the uh, the new T-shirt. It's, it's it's a bit. I we so we got these new. I would say like almost like concert shirts for the Sunday Wire. Look at the show post. You can see the back says World Tour. It's up on the site right now. And so I wanted to give a little bit of that sort of. There's a bit of Viking. Yeah, a bit of Celtic. <laughs> The cool microphone, I love it. Yeah, it's a couple of axes. Yeah. So and then on the back, all this sort of cities we broadcast from uh, Hesher, and so we've. I mean, no, I don't know anybody. <laughs> there's no Americans who've done any live broadcast from Syria. No. Uh, we did that a few times uh, over in, in Damascus, and uh, we had the Aleppo uh, episode as well. Right. Yeah. The uh, around Christmas time there. I mean, that was that was huge. And broadcast from Beirut a few times, uh, and many many other cities. And so, for, uh, to me, that's what's really unique about this show is that we've taken it on the road. I mean, we've literally broadcast on the street live with with Mike Robinson at Gren- right. Grenfell Tower. Grenfell Tower. Yeah. That was that was intense. That was really intense. It really was. Yeah. That was a that was another intense time. We've had a lot of intense times. That were so much more so, so much more intense than they would have been if we were just sitting from afar trying to do analysis on what's available on the internet. I mean, like uh, Miles of Truth helped out with that particular incident, and he was out there running around and you know helping us out and doing on the street production. I mean, we we can really pull together when it's time to get you know the man on the street. Yeah, yeah, no. So I mean, I am I'm sort of honored to uh, have. You know, done that with our team to do things that nobody else has done. So what we've done is we just pushed the envelope a little bit and went that extra mile, put ourselves in the physical space as well. But we had the right uh, equipment to be able to do that, which helps, mm-hmm. and the right coordination. And that's that's not that's that's a bit of a challenge too because there's a lot of moving parts. And uh, <laughs> you have done a great job in. 
uh, kind of you know managing some of these things, and then we've got moving parts on our side with with lots of things, guest availability, um, you know, broadcast quality, uh, stream quality, uh, transmission. Right. Yeah. There's know. just so many dynamic factors when you're trying to do a broadcast from anywhere. So yeah. it's been uh, it's been really fun and really interesting to see. You know, can we do this? You know, like we have these conversations. Like, are we going to be able to do this? You know, can we do this? Is this possible? And it's, yeah, sure. We can do pretty much anything. You know, we just need to put enough planning into it and figure it out. And so far, we've you know we we're nine out of ten, ten out of ten, something like that. I don't know. My biggest my biggest fear was when I was we were going over the border from Lebanon to Syria was the one thing that the. Uh, Syrian uh, border security took an interest in more than anything was the was a mixer. Really? Yeah. So it's like everything else is fine, but so the mixer, microphone's fine, but that they were, they we they held us for another half hour, and they could see off in the distance, and there was like four, a couple of guys, you know, turning it around, flipping it, looking <laughs> at it, and I was like, oh please, you're not gonna. Don't change my settings, dude. <laughs> no, but you're not going to confiscate that. <laughs> Please don't take it. Because if they took that, we would have been like not able to do much, really. Yeah, or disassemble it, you know? Yeah. So. Right. <laughs> Get the screwdriver out. So, And they didn't speak English, so and uh, my driver didn't speak English. So I was I was hand-motioning to them like uh, like this, like music. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> music and sort of just doing a little sign language, saying like, it's a mixer. Look, Yamaha, <laughs> sort of thing. So, yeah, that was, that was kind of stressful. Um, but, uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, on to other things. Before you do, by the way, uh, Video Killed the Radio Star is a song written by Trevor Horn, Jeff Downs, and Bruce Woolley in 1978. It was first recorded by Bruce Woolley and the Camera Club with Thomas Dolby on keyboards, interesting, for their album English Garden. And later by British pop group The Buggles, Buggles, consisting of Horn and Downs. That's it. Thomas Dolby, big yeah. big innovator, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, blinded me with science. Yeah, we play that one on Boiler Room sometimes. Was that his? his yeah, yeah that that's was the his one. Track. I love that track. So. Crazy hair guy, right? Yes. Like or, mad, yes. Mad, okay, yeah. mad scientist. I remember that. Yeah. Looks like, uh, what's his name from Back to the Future? Uh, Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. The doctor, professor. So, so let's, let's talk about uh, a couple of uh, things that are going on the, in the world right now. Uh, if you guys don't mind, we're going to dip our toes into a little U.S. and uh, geopolitics. And we'll, we'll move on to talk about South by Southwest and some of those other sort of themes that are going on right now. Uh, later, but so, what did you guys think of the uh, recent announcement? Donald Trump is going all in uh, to try to negotiate some sort of uh, peace agreement with uh, Kim Jong Un. So, and <clears throat> did you guys see this? I mean, I did. Yeah, that was big news. Yeah, I was pretty taken aback, but I think I see a pattern there. What pattern is that, Mark? Well, there's a. Uh, a uh, contact of mine named Alan Knutson. He lives near Detroit, or excuse me, Dallas. Pardon me. I was just thinking about Michigan. And I trust his analysis pretty well, and I've looked at my own thoughts on this. And Trump seems to be drawing with zigzag lines. Um, you can't quite tell if he's pro-Constitution or the, the populist he claims to be. And sometimes he's going skidding off the road, and he, he seems to be defying what he promised to the people. And yet all of a sudden he'll swerve back onto the road, 
these zigzag lines and boom, he got his tax cuts through. Yes, they tend to cater to the rich, but he also has to cater to the rich to a point to get the tax tax cuts through at all, which does help the lower and middle classes to a reasonable degree. And now the tariffs, he chooses the uh, military or national security aspect of tariffs so he can invoke Section 232, thereby not having to have a congressional vote on tariffs. Normally, it would go through the um, House Ways and Means Committee, and it would go through this circuitous route, and there'd be all this bluster. And I'm, I'm kind of just painting a quick picture here. So he kind of draws with, with zigzag lines, and he, he finds a way, a rationale to get his tariffs through, and evidently they are going through. Tariffs have their downside, but they have their upside too. And now with King Kim Jong-un, if I'm ever saying his name right, um, there seems to be that, that same pattern where uh, we had naval vessels around there, what, a few months ago, and there was all this bluster, and we're going to blow each other up, and now boom, 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 they, they find their, their traction, and now they're evidently, hopefully, going to have talks. But Trump seems to skid all over the place and finally finds his footing and then ends up where you thought where you wanted him to be. It just took him a long time. It's not perfect by any means, but there seems to be a kind of fake right, go left, fake left, go right, and then he kind of puts it where he wants it. Yes, yeah, so he's head faking. Head faking the media a lot, too. And, and what Alan said, it, it, I, I'm glad you said that. He has to do these zigzag lines to get around the media. Do you know what a head fake is, everybody? It's a, it's a football move, right? It's, oh, it's a football and um, basketball move. Or basketball, move. yeah. You just do a little head fake, and then the defender jumps, and then you go for a score. So tr- Trump is, is the master of the fake. Right, and I'm no means lionizing Trump too much. I'm keeping my objectivity, but there is a tactic there to get around the media, and he's getting fairly good at it you know but in terms of the media did you guys see randy did you see cnn basically went into sort of uh, opposition mode when they heard that trump was trying to negotiate some sort of peace deal with north korea so for cnn this was like a nightmare how dare he how dare there be peace on the korean peninsula and so what would cnn do they wouldn't be able to run all their cgi simulations of missiles launching have you seen that fake Missile launch simulation yeah. they do, and they don't say it's a fake. They don't say CGI. So you know, I mean, it looks fake. But anyway, this is what C- CNN loves: uh, the narratives that the gifts that keep on giving. And Kim Jong Un is one of those gifts. Fox does too, by the way. They they do like the sort of uh, you know conflict tension between U.S. and Korea. Randy, what's what's on your mind here? Uh, just just what's on everybody's mind. Meaning, you know, Donald. Trump could save Nancy Pelosi from a burning building and they'd write it negatively. Um, they'd spin it. Um, <laughs> it's a photo op. Why didn't any letter, you know? Yeah. There's no, there's no surprise that, they, that, that, that um, some sort of peace or truce or anything positive on the Korean Peninsula um, with Donald Trump's name to it must be bad, even if it's good. They said a similar thing about uh, when he was warming up to Putin. No, you can't be doing that. Peace with Russia? What, are you mad? Of course, no. Yeah, a while no, back. Definitely not. Definitely not. And what, what, what do you think about this? Uh, well, I actually, I think people, sometimes when they l- try to project Trump in the traditional political figure, that's when they start getting confused. Because uh, I think, actually, uh, Trump doesn't fall uh, particularly into the... His more, I, I think there's some of his views are actually a hybrid between um, uh, social liberal 
that doesn't line up 100% with the conservative agenda. Um, at the same time, you know, there is big part of his agenda lined up with the conservative. So when you try to, uh, to project him on, on the two-party, you know, it sometimes gets confusing. Uh, but at mm-hmm. the same time, also, uh, as Marco was saying, uh, this is his uh, negotiation tactic, you know, as he's, he's treating it more as a business, you know, he's like he has to do this power moves where he projects certain image, give you a heads up in the negotiation that or the move you want to do. Um, and then he can actually do his final move. Uh, I mean, so far, uh, uh, I, I think like uh, domestic wise, he's, you know, he's keeping big portion of his campaign promise uh, and as actually I was pleased with this uh, like aluminum uh, and steel uh, tariffs lately and I think he actually broke up with Gary Cohn uh, which is one of you know the globalists in his uh, in his uh, 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 administration uh, which is a good sign Uh, again the biggest disappointment is still uh, you know the the foreign policy and letting some neocons weasels their way around in Syria and all this. Yeah, neocons, globalists. So th- so in terms of uh, the expectations, I know a lot of people that supported Trump uh, who did so because he took this kind of um, anti-intervention, uh, less aggressive on foreign policy. This is what he campaigned on. Uh, and, of course, with the combined with the America First uh, agenda, and, and that appealed to a lot of people, okay, and he was attacked for being an isolationist and uh, the same sort of stuff you heard with Ron Paul in uh, 08 and 2012. Uh, so, I mean, in terms of those people who liked that, uh, you know, Hesher and Spore, did, did, was that, what was the biggest appeal in terms of, what, what did you see that was positive about the Trump campaign that you recognized that a lot of people were, were flocking in that direction who would normally go for a rank-and-file GOP candidate, for instance. Well, I, for me, it was uh, just the the stark, obvious realization that this guy's not going to be politically correct. You know, he's going to say what he thinks, and he's he knows what his uh, what his support base wants. So I thought that was uh, really good, and I loved seeing him in the debates because you, when you watch those debates, you know, we live stream that first Republican debate. And, you know, you can tell who's been fed the questions, who's the darling, who's connected to the mainstream media outlet that's, that's doing it. And it was never Trump. Yeah. It was, Trump was not that guy. But he was the most eloquent and entertaining person. Maybe not always eloquent, but, you know, sometimes rather blunt and obtuse. But I think he does that on purpose because he's just being himself. He's being real. And he knows, you know, all these other people around me. They got iPads and they got, you know, they're getting fed questions and answers. Some of them are getting questions ahead of time. It was proven that that was what was going on with Hillary and a few other people, I believe, as well. It was obvious. Yeah. So, I mean, that in itself, just they, I think they shot themselves in the foot. And by they, I mean the mainstream media and the right left establishment, uh, old guard, because, you know, they thought they were going to take him in there and just run circles around him. But really, what happened was they exposed themselves as basically cheating. And uh, I think a lot of people caught on to that. A lot of people saw that. And they said, hey, something's wrong with this system. I know something's up. It's felt rigged in the past. It feels, parts of it feel rigged all the time. And here's this guy. They're trying to, you know, give, give the cold shoe to. And he's not having it. You know, he performed well. 
So uh, that was the thing that really stuck out to me. And, uh, you know, plus we all knew that Hillary was going to be the one going up against him. And, and anyone that's looked into that that mess, you know, the, the, tra- the wake that is behind her. You know, it doesn't take a whole. It doesn't take a whole lot of smarts to realize that you probably don't want that person sitting in the White House. And look at all the crap that happened when her husband was in the White House. So I mean, it was kind of just a no-brainer. See, and there's a lot of the reflection of the two polar opposites of what the Clinton camp and what was going on with Trump. A lot of people forget about that. I mean, it was there was a, a stark realization by a lot of people uh, that you know there was total corruption and total uh, manipulation on the dnc side and so this is before russiagate kind of got traction right and this was well known and people were talking about it but this sort of got erased uh soon after that so um you know what what, what was your uh feeling uh about let's say what, what sort of separated him because obviously he got a huge surge in support especially during the late uh, stages of the primaries so for me, I, and I'm probably going to say something similar to Hesher here um, because it's my sentiment is really, really similar. But basically, what I'm not a fan of any politician. I really, I don't trust any of them. What I'll I second that. I, I, what I liked about Trump was that he was, he really came across as off, like authentically real, and I mean, he's carried through this realness even after he got elected, which I never thought was going to happen. I really did not think that this would actually happen. But you know, he's out there, he's tweeting um, his rawness and uh, like calling CNN fake news. My favorite president ever, just because of that. If, if for nothing else. If for nothing else, to call a CNN out for fake news, and a lot everyone knows, mm-hmm. everyone knows bef- way before Trump that CNN is a fake news merchant. Yeah, um, they'll make up stories about anything. It just take the coverage of Syria, of course, that we've uh, we we talk about so much on the UK column and also on this show. Um, just one fabrication after another, after another, after another, and then r- with Russia Gate, it's it's completely off the charts. So let me share a story with you. Okay, I don't want to. Uh, I'm not going to say this person's name, but um, my first sort of taxi taxi ride on this trip, uh, I was talking with the driver, and uh, we were talking. I don't know how it got on, it quickly got on the subject of politics, and so in Russia, uh, and so I think I uh, can't remember how that happened. Maybe she asked me what I did or something like that, and uh, Russia came up, and so she said, well, uh, <laughs> she's kind of laughed at me. Nice, wonderful young person, wonderful." But she sort of snicked and said, well, from Russia, they hacked our elections. She looked at me, you know, straight, straight up. So, and I thought, this is, this is normal. So how many, so I'm going to ask you guys, I'm, I'm shocked because I look at this remotely from Europe, okay? So not only that, and she said, oh, RT, they, 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 they put out all this fake news on Facebook. And so all these sort of actual fake news stories were attributed to RT by this person. So I'm thinking, if this is a general litmus test of the population, most people in America, a lot of people are totally brainwashed, think that the Russians elected Donald Trump, essentially. And that really scares the hell out of me. It's one thing, I mean, you guys are living here. So, I mean, how much of this, I'm going to ask, how much of this do you personally experience and you know the scale of this is 
mind-blowing. I, I see it fairly often. Either they believe Assad ta- attacks his own people and kills them in Syria, or the, and or they believe that Russia hacked the elections. But I even used to be an election official right when they brought on the electronic voting machines. Here's the irony. If Russia or any country can hack the elections directly through the database of the voters and actually manipulate the vote tangibly that means the the system is open to hacking and manipulation in the first place so the real problem is the system itself if that were true yeah yeah yeah. so regardless of who may hack it it's hackable and there therein lies the problem that's why some people say go back to paper ballots yeah, I'm a, I'm a big paper ballot guy, but yeah. there's, there's different ways to hack it locally or to uh, access the, 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 the network, the local area network. Or because the SIM, it's accessible. Or the right. SIM cards, or there's different systems as well that are right. being used. So anyway, it was never proven Russia had any activity at all in that department. There was proven that the Department of Homeland Security did, however, in Georgia and other places that story got buried very quickly so again uh, uh blaming russia for everything that's actually going on internally in this country like the dnc leaks as well mm-hmm. uh so so the convenient scapegoat randy well i was going to convenient scapegoat i think is what you were about to say and we must be mind melded or something because i was going to say the same thing you know you see a lot of people um, I'll talk to people and and, and hear hear what they got to say. Um, Lord forbid that that happened, and that people have open dialogues and everything. But it still happens, and I'll hear people just say the the Russians did something. Well, what did they do? We don't know. Um, did they hack? What did they hack? Um, the election? What did they do? They they changed the vote. How did they change the vote? Well, um, I don't know. They they just did it. The Russians did it. <laughs> what did they do? It's this like just juvenile, um, yeah, perpetual cyber boogeyman sort of thing that that took hold. And it's it's not you know indicative of American society across the board. But it, you know you get twenty million people or ten million people or fifteen million people or. However many million people believing that hook, line, and sinker to the point where they believe it, but they don't know how to describe it getting in their head. They just believe it. That's a little – that's pretty spooky to me. Is it, is it a case of uh, – is it a case of – you know, we all went to high school, right? And people – you say stuff when you're in school – why do you say it? Why do you believe it? Because well, everybody else is saying it. Because everyone else believes it. It's kind of an American thing as well. Maybe not just an American thing. It could be also in other countries. It's an in vogue thing. It's in vogue to believe it. Yeah. yeah. So it's not, it doesn't have to be based on any evidence or facts or anything like that. It's just what people are saying. And if enough people say it, it becomes uh, consensus reality, basically. I think that's why people are going back to podcasts, and that's why radio is going to kill the video star. We're going to flip this around. I like that. Radio, radio kills the video star. That's right. That's right. right. Because th- there are people out there that watch television and go to universities, and they, they love consensus reality. They gravitate to consensus reality. That's where they find popularity. That's where they feel like their worldview fits in. But when you start peeling it away and you start talking to them, you start pulling on threads of that sweater, it unravels really fast because they don't they don't know how the Russians hacked it. Or if they do, you know, if they have looked into it enough, what they're seeing is what we've seen. 
these really shoddy reports with no good data. I mean, the best they've shown us is is a list of memes, right. you know, a list of memes that people may have bought in another <laughs> country and produced on Facebook. It's there's nothing there. Yeah, and so so she said. Uh, this person said to me, which kind of shocked me as well. And I said, I said, why would why would Russia want to? Why would they care really who gets elected? Because they must make contingencies for all possibilities, like every country does. You've got a contingency no matter who's going to be president. If it's this guy or this guy, whether it's from Egypt or you know the UK, France, Russia, whatever. And she said, well, it's not. They 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 wanted they wanted to sow distrust in the american political system and i said i said look let me stop you right there there's plenty of that already i said you don't know we don't need the russians to do that i said i said to her I said who were the biggest in, uh, surging candidates in the 2016 election and it was donald trump and bernie sanders those were two anti-establishment candidates that's where the energy was those were the numbers were, were. that's where the hype the excitement was that's where the enthusiasm on Twitter of everyone. What do people do on Twitter? They post memes, right? Millions of people post memes on all Twitter. day long, all day long. So they want they, the the media wants to believe that uh, there's these there's a few shadowy Russian bots. We have one in studio here on the table. This is uh, the the Putin bot, uh, which you saw probably in the live stream on the boiler room. Thank you for uh, bringing us a real bot, Randy, a real Russian. I don't know how it got here. That's the real scary part. This, this I thought we threw it out and it came back. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it just got it probably like got droned in and dropped off and just like a wind up doll just creeped crept its way under the table here. Yeah, it's going to probably disappear the same way it came as well. So so so, so anyway, um, that's that's where the energy was. Mm-hmm. So that's proof right there. Look at the, the the hysteria, the mania for Sanders was incredible. That's where the that's where the youth were. That's where the excitement was. And so, if a guy like Bernie Sanders can cause a storm of excitement amongst young people, you know the establishment is toast. Yeah, right? I, I always thought they threw Bernie as a candidate against Hillary on by design. Someone who just seemed sort of. Wacky and, 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 and way out there. To make um, her look good, right? To make her look good, failing to realize that, no, 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 she actually look, comes off so bad that people are like, hey, yeah, Bernie, hey. Yeah, um, r- rather than making her look good, it just made him look good. It, and it made her look worse. Cause, right. I mean, her contrasted to anybody when you start looking into the background and all the stuff that's not reported by a mission um, with regard to Hillary. Um a lot of people start looking good next to her. And I think that's the number one fail. Is They literally tried to sell um, damaged goods to, to the U.S. public and, and Hillary. Right. And, and a lot of people just didn't buy it. Um, it I, and I've said this a lot, too. As much as Donald Trump won, she lost by herself. Not with Russians. Not with aliens. Not with anything. Just Hillary just lost. Yeah. And, and the U.S. is perfectly capable of stealing its own elections. It needs no help. Yeah, you're damn right. If, if there. it comes down to it and the chips are down, they can; those machines can be made to flip votes. The, the analysis has been done. It, hap- and- it happened in, in 2000, uh, 2004. I've saw reports in 2008. But really, uh, with Bush, I mean, talk about unelectable to a large 
percentage of the country. And it's in the software. You don't need outside hacking. It can mm-hmm. be done right in the internal software. It's an internal problem in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've seen some of those videos. I've seen some of those analyses where they, you know, they break one of those machines open. You know, a tech will show you how it works, and they're very simple. You know, mm-hmm. anyone, any any coder with with the right password. They can get in there, and, and they can shift those. Plus, in Texas, Laura Presley, a researcher, has shown a quick footnote that they don't even conform to the Texas Constitution and the Texas Election Code. They don't have on the screen what is defined as a ballot by law in Texas. No. No serial numbers, no sequential numbers. They, they don't even measure up to the law, let alone electronic hacking of any kind. Wow, that's crazy. There's only one way that I would say you could do electronic voting, which would be to do it with the blockchain. Oh, blockchain. You're right. That's a good idea. Blockchain. There's a way. You heard heard it here first on the Sunday Wire on ACR. That's right. Blockchain voting. Hashtag blockchain vote. We did. We yeah. we just came up. We we come up with good ideas on on ACR. Yeah. So there's one right there. We'll put that out there. You heard <laughs> it here first. So if you looked at 2000, you remember the 2000 election? I don't know how many of you are old enough to remember that. Uh, <laughs> I was a wee lad then. Or Compass yeah. Mentis. So in 2000, there was the uh, the hanging Chad controversy right. in Florida. This was Bush and Al Gore. <laughs> and uh, as much as much as I dislike George W. Bush, Al Gore as president, that's another level of nightmare I can't imagine. Oh, Lord. So, um, but anyway, that aside, the controversy of the Florida vote is what ushered in the era of electronic voting. Mm-hmm. So it was a, f- a false controversy, uh, a, a, like a, a Cassius Belli sort of event. And that Everyone was, we need a better system. We need electronic voting. So there's as little accountability as you like with electronic voting. It's completely fungible. Uh, so the, is this a case of the uh, cure is worse than the disease, as it were? I, I believe so. And now you have Diebold, ES&S, and Heart. Um, and I think there was Premier. They're swallowing each other and becoming more and more concentrated. In other words, the vote has been privatized. Our money was privatized by the Federal Reserve Act in 1913. They privatized the vote. They're privatizing our cities. They're, they're privatizing government, as we've often talked about on this and other outlets. So, yeah, they're privatizing the vote itself. It's, it's negotiable. It's that's a good point. So that's that's a great point, Mark. It is it is it privatizing the uh, and the it's election. the count specifically the count, and so they don't count it at the precinct level. They send it into central tabulation. Once they lose the chain of custody, where is that vote going? And offshore, in some cases, it was a Spanish company who had the contract to count the votes. R- right. It, it's not who cast them; it's who count them. As the wrong kind of Russian. Stalin once said mm. it, it should be done locally right in the at the precinct level before it ever leaves the precinct so I'm here I'm here in studio uh, we're here at uh, South by Southwest uh, just outside of Austin Texas and uh, if you just joined us I'm with uh, Hesher from ACR hello uh, host of the boiler room spore from the boiler room hello Randy J of boiler room fame and also infidel Pharaoh a boiler rumor and Mark Anderson uh, as well, and you might have uh, seen Mark on UK Column and uh, yeah, other places, and occasionally on your website, some articles, and lar- and, and you did great uh, reporting on Bundy Ranch. 
uh, this year as well, Mark. There's going to be more on that. Just a, a quick footnote there. So and also lurking around Bilderberg meetings, uh, wherever they may be. Where is Bilderberg this year, Mark? Uh, Turin, Italy, is the word. But then I got a, a little bit of intel. I haven't verified it. They might even meet in Venice, Italy. Okay. And so I guess we'd have to go up on boats with placards and cameras. You know, I, I'm hoping like crazy it's Turin. Please be Turin. Sneak in with the Venetian mask. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You, you come with me. <laughs> Just giving ideas, man. Just giving ideas. Okay, yeah, okay. So that's in Italy. That's an interesting uh, location, yeah. So they get the... Uh, It'll be their fourth time in Italy, in Italy since they've existed. So they get the police out. You've seen the European police with their, their shoulder pads. It's a bit like um, they're dressed sort of like the triad players in Battlestar Galactica. They've got oh. shoulder pads, elbow pads, but they, they're not as bulky as the American... Uh, uh, thug police. They're more so. It's more sort of Jean Paul Gaultier styled uh, police state look. Oh wow! Very fashionable, sort of Fifth Element ish. So it's sort of like yeah, S and M. Oh yeah, look. yeah, right. Yeah, European police state. It's uh, with a touch of style. Uh, at least they're stylish. So. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 back to the Russia thing. Uh, so that's what's so this. This idea has been created. It's now permeated across the United States. Many people believe that uh, Putin and Russia are lurking behind everything, every corner, every election around the world, any any sniff of populism, any sniff of anti-establishment. And there's an organization called the Southern Poverty Law Center. And are we all familiar with uh, the uh, SPLC? Unfortunately, yes. Yes. Yeah. So the SPLC is basically... Uh, and they've got a, uh, a lecturer. I, I, I can't believe he would be a professor, but uh, he's from Portland State University. His name is Alexander Reed Ross. And he's been doing a series of hit pieces, basically trying to label as many people as fascist as possible, even labeled 21st Century Wire as a fascist website and put named me by name. And somehow it's, it's fascist. And communist. Yeah, communist, fascist, red-brown or something. So they're making up terms. And so I would say the Southern Poverty Law Center, which uh, claims to be uh, uh, policing uh, hate and uh, stamping out uh, racism and bigotry and all the rest of it, okay, and Nazism and anti-Semitism and et cetera, et cetera, okay, yeah. that's their... That's their mission, uh, supposedly. But what they're doing now is they're trying to uh, collect uh, hundreds of names of anti-war activists, anti-establishment activists. So anybody who is challenging the, U the U.S. government is guilty of hate crime. And it says so in their definition of hate. Anti-government equals uh, hate, a hater, basically. How can that be? How can that be in a country like this that is supposed to be based on a constitutional republic. I mean, the whole concept of checks and balances and a constitution is that the population, the citizenry of that country can take the government to task. Mm -hmm. That is what it's all about, is if the government is not doing what it's supposed to do, the people in that country are the ones who, you know what I mean? This is a whole, that's the whole premise of being an American. So, so those of us who, who have tried to develop a conversation across platforms with colleagues about lowering the tension between the U.S. and Russia, not wanting to go to war in, with Russia, with, with Syria, 
we're we're now being uh, herded into this kind of uh, pen, labeled as fascist by the Southern Poverty Law Center and this uh, hysterical academic <coughs> named Alexander Reed Ross. And the list is long. Daniel McAdams from the Ron Paul Institute was was also included in this. Andrew Karibko, Ar- Marwa Osman, who we've had on, on this show many times, talented journalists, people who are on location, who are reporting from war zones, and they're, they're being uh, singled out and labeled by an organization that's supposed to be a not-for-profit U.S. charity, uh, which to me, the Southern Poverty Law Center is a libel mill. Absolutely. They libel people. Uh, they slander. They defame. They smear. This is, this is their real mission. And what they're trying to do is label dissenters to uh, the establishment, to authority. They call populism. Uh, as They equate populism with white nationalism. And uh, so they're trying to polarize the conversation mm-hmm. and then defame as many people and create sort of webs of association. So th- they'll probably throw me in. If there's a few people at six degrees of separation, they'll probably try to connect me with David Duke or something like this, right? This mm-hmm. is where it's heading right now. There's no boundaries anymore, and there's no ethics. Uh, I, I would say the Southern Poverty Law Center is actually engaged in criminal activity. It be- is. Be- because, yeah. because what they're doing is trying to paint targets on as many people as possible publicly. This, this is what fascist countries do, by the way. If you go to the Ukraine, the, the, the far-right parties and people in power in government have a website. I am not making this up. You can go look at it. We've got a link to it on 21st Century Wire with the names of people they don't like and their addresses and encouraging people to go visit them. We're talking about street thugs. Have you seen the gangs that, uh, you know, the the Svoboda and right sector Hmm. in Ukraine with chains And with torches at night, we're not talking about Walmart tiki torches. No, we're, this is this is old school. This is real stuff. Okay, yeah. and so this is the fascist gangs that were funded and backed and given political legitimacy by the Obama administration, by Victoria Newland, by John McCain. It's not just a Democrat. By thing. way of Poroshenko's regime, right? It, by yeah, by way of you know, backing Poroshenko. But who put Poroshenko in power was these right. street thugs. And these are all Banderites who are total Nazis, uh, loyal to Stefan Bandera, who fought with Hitler in the Second World War. They have statues to Nazi heroes in the west of the Ukraine. That's who our government is backing. That's what they do. They make lists. They put it online. So what the Southern Poverty Law Center are doing itself reflects a fascist behavior. And so, and so they're supposed to be policing hate. Uh, but what they're doing is, is fabricating cases against writers, bloggers. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I've campaigned against real fascism through our work uh, and reported on these uh, stories. And so it's, it's a bit amazing to me that the Southern Poverty Law Center would be labeling hundreds of people, libertarians, Ron Paul Institute. It's almost as if you're not a transnationalist, globalist, um, anti-nationalist. That's enough. If you're not one of them, then you're one of the other guys. And then don't forget about the Anti-Defamation League. They're basically in league with the SPLC. Well, the, the problem with the SPLC is they're on Facebook's advisory board. 
Okay, and, and yeah. they're advising Google. They're, they're, they're in, uh, they might be involved with for a first draft coalition, but they're involved with Facebook. So in terms of policing hate on Facebook, the Southern Poverty Law Center, who are basically uh, fabricating, contriving these lists and mm-hmm. labeling people falsely, which is – they will be sued, by the way, and they are – currently a few legal cases uh in the pipeline uh over this they should be they absolutely should be you know and uh one of the guys last night asked me well you know what's is it really a concern this splc article is it something we should really be concerned about and i said well on the one hand like i said on boiler room 149 no one cares what they say to a great extent but on the other hand like you just mentioned they're on boards now they're on boards at Google. They're on boards at Facebook. They're they're being treated like some sort of Snopes. You know, there's a whole experts cadre, or authorities right? on hate, right? Yes, authorities on hate, authorities on truth. Like like we need these separate NGOs to tell everybody what's hateful, what's truthful, what's lies, and everybody just has to take it at face value. I mean, for example, <clears throat> if you were to go through. The, uh, the post that was written there in the SPLC Hate Watch about all of us. What they're doing is they're not going and they're not listening to not even one episode of Sunday Wire, much less 200 episodes of Sunday Wire. They're not going through the website and reading all the, the articles and all the journalism. They're not clicking the link throughs, you mm-hmm. know, and that's one thing that one really needs to do if they really want to get into an article at 21 Wire or any of, you know, our, our partner sites that are really good. There's a lot of link throughs. There's a lot of, you know, all other stuff you need to watch and read to back up uh, the report that you're seeing there. And they're not doing any of that. What they're doing is lazy. It's, it's, uh, I'll use this term last night, but I'll use it again. It's almost like some sort of voodoo research where, all they need to do is say, well, we've got this list of this black list of names, and now we're going to look at the six degrees of separation around any of these names. And, oh, this look at this website. They're really messing up our Syria uh, narratives in the mainstream. We consider that hateful. Or uh, pro- uh, they consider that to be a fascist right. apologist because, we're, uh, because they think we're supporting the Assad, quote, regime. Yeah. Okay. Mean. <laughs> so, so all the reporting you do on the ground, the evidence that we dredge up, uh, all the analysis, it means nothing uh, for the, these groups. Uh, all that matters is that they have a narrative, and if you're not attacking Russia, then you must be a Putinist. Therefore, you must be a fascist. Uh, so, it's, it's to me, this is kind of this is this is the low. This is a gutter. This is this is the gutter of politics. It says a lot about Facebook and Google and these companies that want to, I don't know if they're employing these NGOs or, you know, what kind of money exchanges are going on there, but it really says a lot about them. You know, they, they try to pretend that they aren't politicized, that they have open forums, but no. they're not. No, the, what they do by appropriating Snopes or the Southern Poverty Law Center, it gives Facebook, uh, it gives them sort of an out, a deniability. It's like, well, we're not setting policy. Our partners, our board is. The Southern Poverty Law Center, they can sort of put it on them. This is, this is something that bureaucracies love to do, uh, which is to sort of spread the blame around. Uh, so anyway, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think. I think, in, in many ways, this is worse than the Red Scare, uh, because in the age of the internet, uh, retractions are difficult uh, to 
they don't have any meaning. So there's a lot of information out there. On one hand, like you said, not many people will put a lot of currency in it. But the fact that they are working with Silicon Valley companies. Right. Like, think about how many people do put currency in Facebook. So, you know, they may not think about about the SPLC, but they trust that Facebook. And they say, you know, if Facebook says, oh, sorry, we didn't know that Russians bought these memes and ads and whatnot, everybody buys that. And it's, it's just, you know, that's where the real danger is with the SPLC is the way that they've wormed themselves into sort of a position of... Uh, you know, uh, analysis authority. So, so Infidel, what, what do you think about this? Because I know uh, in some countries, like, say, in the Middle East, uh, the press is, has a sort of difficult relationship with government in some countries. And so America is meant to be, obviously, land of the free, land of the free press. And people will say, you talk to Americans, say, we don't have censorship in America. We don't do propaganda. I hear that, I've heard this before. We're not Russia. So, so my question is: Do you think that the propaganda and the censorship here is—is is it? Do you see it? Do you recognize it? Absolutely. And uh, you know, in Egypt, maybe we have a, a official label of a state-run media, but here you have like a, a implicit state-run media, basically that runs a specific message. You know that, and that's what keep gets procreated to people. Um, <coughs> And you can see it very clearly. You know, I like a few years back, I was, you know, I was one of those people that uh, followed CNN and, you know, like the mainstream. And uh, and I still have a lot of, you know, because of my background and uh, my circle of friends, I still have a lot of those, uh, you know, um, uh, more on the uh, left side of things. Um, and uh, based the narrative you see in them, as you were saying, it's just complete brainwashing, um, uh, illogical. Uh, narrative uh, that when you start challenging it basically fail but the issue is they took some of those mainstream uh, medias like uh, PBC um, you know as basically as their bible <laughs> so now everything that they say still for them holds the same accountability and I don't know what it's going to take to get them out of this Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is the cycle that they need to break out from. I mean, we saw this re-image. That's why we were able to break out of it. Um, and that's what they need to see to be able to get out of this bubble that networks like PBC or CNN and all this other uh, news network. I, I, I think it's like, um, I'll, throw, I'll, I'll throw this over in your direction, Randy. I think that if you have a job in one of the big networks, like CNN, you get paid very well. BBC, you have career uh, stability, uh, mm-hmm. so we know that all the, th- the good things that come with that—a four hundred one k, full medical program, yeah, a subsidized network, three point four billion a year from the taxpayers. Yeah, know. and when you go on location, you've got a camera crew, you've got a script advisor, you've got you know a full crew. Uh, you're 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 not bootstrapping anything. It's all being done with a good budget. But yet, with all of that, Randy. With all of that, people aren't, uh, they're losing the attention of a lot of people. They don't have the um, total focus of the public on what they're putting out, the narratives they're putting out. That must frustrate if you're working, because people who work in media live out in the world. So they're not getting, they're not being venerated to the same level as they were in previous decades. So that's really frustrating. So I'm seeing. 
I don't know if you've seen this. I see the mainstream attacking. They're punching downhill now, attacking blogs, websites. Um, is Even it be- voters. Remember the video? They went and they <coughs> harassed this lady in this, her yard. Yeah, they went and trolled uh, an old woman. Yeah, and accused her of being a Rus- you know in league with the Russians. So, I mean, Randy, do you think it's a case of? They're just they just don't have the undivided attention of the public anymore, and they're they're feeling that, and maybe this is why they're attacking uh, smaller uh, operators. I think it's a it's an issue of sovereignty and control at some level, and I think that the narrative, as we say, um, the the plot is sort of out there in the open for people to investigate on their own and see who's really running what and see who's really in charge of different media organizations who's behind what politician you know follow the money all these old adages and i think that since there's a little bit of losing the plot losing the narrative and an example of one going you know live as we speak would be the you know russian collusion or 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 the russian narrative and this type of thing um, people are watching that firsthand. They're seeing it. They're adding it up um, themselves, and it doesn't make too much sense. In fact, to, to some people, it makes zero sense at all. <laughs> it seems made up. Um, and and even looking at the election, that was sort of an act of sovereignty by the U.S. People voted for and went with. Um, you you could say they went for Trump or you could say they didn't go for Hillary and either one of those ticked off a lot of the power structures um, that were behind Hillary so I, I, I think that what's sort of happening with news maybe attacking down to the level of ladies in their front front lawn like they did on that CNN podcast or that CNN telecast <laughs> Attacking websites, blogs, um, people out there that they didn't used to give any sort of heed to or credence to. Um, it's probably at some level um, fear that they can't control, corral, manage people. And, and that's what I think a scary implication is, is that a lot of people want to look at a list like the SPLC puts out. They want to have some sort of thing that they could reference. Some people want to be managed um, Ran, supervised, administered to. So that's all they got to do is, you know, surf the internet, eat, punch a time clock, go home, drink a beer, wake up, and do it again the next day. Um, and I think a lot of citizens in this country and, and in the world should should be ticked off that they're looked at is something that needs to be corralled. No, we have our own sovereignty, our own minds. How how dare we? And we should be able to think and do, you know, what what we want for ourselves, by ourselves, come to our own conclusions, not needing to, you know, check subparagraph A, um, subparagraph B to see how they need to act or think in certain situations. Um, a lot of people look at that and they and they just immediately think BS. And I think that little rant I went, <laughs> went on, it, it's all a big, you know, intricately woven, woven rope that's all sort of like the same thing. Sovereignty, they all leads to the same thing: personal sovereignty versus management from 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 on high. Hmm. 
We'll take a short break in just a minute. Before we do, you know, I'll talk to. I'll throw this in your direction, Mark. So Randy's talking about these lists. Okay, so it makes life easy when someone just posts nails a blacklist to the to the town hall post in the town hall the town square and said these are websites that are uh, kremlin agents and they're all american by the way the scarlet letter as it <laughs> yeah, were yes yeah including websites who are from congressmen and you know people who used to be in the u.s government like ron paul for instance or paul craig roberts who was in reagan's uh, cabinet right uh assistant treasury secretary i believe that's right and so uh it's so it, it you know when during the Red Scare, and they had these blacklists, and this was decried by the left uh, for for decades, like this was Joe McCarthy, and this is the this is the apex of corruption, and how how can you circulate blacklists around labeling people as uh, Russian communists? Uh, Sir, have you no decency? Sure, and they're doing this exact thing right now, right? And so the, instead of nailing it to the post in the town square, they're putting it on the internet. Yeah, the new Red Scare is now uh, where the the left is accusing the right of coddling the Russians. Right. And rather than the it's right a, a, accusing the left, ironically, Roy Cohn, who was an attorney for Trump, uh, helped Joe McCarthy, you know, shows how small the world is in a, in a respect. But what Imam was saying, you know, about the media, uh, it's... We have a state-allied media in the United States. It's not state-run, but it's allied with the transnational state. So anybody that doesn't want transnationalism and one-world consolidation is, by definition, outside the bounds of respectable opinion. And that includes everybody, the SPLC and the ADL is blacklisting. And so um, what it comes down to is... Yeah, the subsidized ones, uh, CBC Canada, $1.1 billion a year, BBC, $3.4 billion a year. They've got that subsidy, but the rest, like CNN, that even took a shot at me recently about Bilderberg and interviewing Joe Arpaio, um, they're, they're the ones, the privately run ones, that don't get the direct subsidies. They're the ones that are really worried about losing the narrative. And, in fact, they are losing it, and it's just as well they do because they're ruining discourse in this country. They're making it impossible to agree on what day it is, let alone how our system should run. And it, it's, it's getting to the point where we have intellectual and moral chaos as, as engineered by these, by these media companies, and it's a weaponized media. Uh, they're, libel and slander are crimes. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, attacking an old woman, I mean, that's trespassing besides. No, and, and, it's and just the lowest of the low, isn't it's it? It's the lowest of the low. And so it's time for the media like ourselves and, and others to fill the gap. And it's happening. Yeah. And and uh, in the past, I don't know, we will go to break in a minute, but I saw reporters get punched a lot, you know, during the 80s. Geraldo Rivera being one of them. Yeah. But sort of decked, you know, and that sort of made it on national TV. And people are like, well, there was kind of an acknowledgement. Like, he was kind of, I don't want to say the word on air, but he's a bit of a, you know what? Yeah. You know, so he kind of had it coming to him. And so that, that stuck with to Geraldo for years. Uh, and that and Al Capone's vaults. We won't go there. <laughs> but uh, so, but now the press is, is, is like the eternal victim. It's amazing how they victimize themselves. They said, don't you think it's dangerous what Donald Trump is, is doing to the, calling the mainstream media out as fake news and, and do, putting out memes of uh, WWF memes with CNN superimposed on a wrestler's head getting body slammed by, by Trump and how that's somehow promoting violence against the press. I mean, it's a kind of a joke. But it's amazing how they've managed to create themselves as the victims uh, when, in fact, CNN 
and uh, NBC as well. They're ho- they're horrific. Some of their coverage. They have done more to promote total chaos and, and in some cases you could say mass murder in Syria by the hand of the so-called rebels. Uh, and so th- there's no accountability for this at all. It's the typical projection technique. They accuse others of what they're guilty of, and they call us fascists. Who's promoting the marriage of government, big government and big business? The internationalist, transnationalist, one-world establishment wants the marriage of big business and big government, the textbook definition of fascism. They're the fascists, not the people protesting transnationalism. And anyone uh, protesting globalization, countries, Russia, Syria, for instance, and Iran, but especially Russia and Syria, they don't want to be in the globalist system. They, they want to make sure they have stability at home. And so what's being attacked is a country's sovereignty to want to not be uh, to the at the whims of the, the world market, uh, the stock market, stock market crashes, IMF loans, currency devaluations. And the world police, the U.S. And, and the world police. So these are what Russia and Syria, as an example, uh, were trying to protect themselves against. They don't want to be part of that system where their government could be overthrown uh, if the economy collapsed, you know, one week, and then it was just chaos. That's what they're hedging against, and this is why they're being attacked. I think, right? And and countries. they see they see very well what has happened in the past few years to Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, Libya Egypt, yeah. Syria, Ukraine, as you mentioned. I mean, what is this when they're trying to just willy nilly fling around terms like Nazi, white nationalist for people in America here? Look, I've got. I've got a quote here from um, Zarko, Zarkovria. I don't know if I say her name right, but mm-hmm. uh, she's she's slamming CIA chief Pompeo during this particular quote here. And just to sort of underline what you were saying about them supporting actual, real, violent, militarized Nazis in the Ukraine to affect political change. You know, I'll say that again. That's the United States government using NGOs and our own senators, and who knows what other resources. State Department. State Department, uh, our media, to support actual violent militant Nazis in the Ukraine to affect political change that this government wants to see. And so uh, Zakorvia, she says, It is strange that Washington forgets the fact that in the run-up to the 1996 Russian presidential election, the Federal Reserve Bank delivered... $500 in cash to the U.S. Embassy in Moscow under a far-fetched pretext of avoiding frenzied demand during the exchange of old $100 notes. Operatives from the CIA's Moscow Embassy Station, headed by Michael Sulik, virtually slept on the money bags while guarding them. Foreign-made cars delivered small batches of money from the embassy to certain individuals. Who did the U.S. sponsor using this money? I mean, that five, $500 million in money bags are taken by intelligence operatives into Russia and given to politicians just before the 1996 election and the, under that pretext. <laughs> We don't want to mess up uh, all all those five hundred million dollars of old hundred dollar bills, American hundred dollar bills. You guys might have. That's and not meddling, is it? No. How how could it be? <laughs> so we're talking in the United States. We're talking about memes, a picture with a sentence on it, at a sentence fragment probably, versus 
five hundred million dollars in cash going to mm. screw up their elections, and who knows how how much money and resources uh, going to the Ukraine to do that operation too. So you take those two things and you compare them to what they're claiming has been done here. And you just cleared the decks. What do you think, Randy J? Well, no, I was just going to make a tiny little point. Um, that's five hundred million dollars in nineteen ninety four money, which is what two and a half billion, probably, or yeah. or something. Yeah, so it's not bad. And and it's tangible, like you were saying. It's like, hey, here's the cash. It's not, oh my gosh, someone's floating something in the internet. Someone with you know the IQ of a amoeba might look at it and vote <laughs> a different way. You know, right. Uh, we're here live in studio. It's uh, South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. I'm here with the ACR Brain Trust this Ooh. week. And, uh, well, so we, we've got a lot to talk about, a lot to get through. We're going to take a short commercial break here on the Alternate Current Radio Network. And we'll be right back after these messages and also a bit of bumper music and songs in the middle. We'll be right back. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. This is the Sunday Wire. Stay right there. Esoterica and Theology. Hi, I'm Patrick Henningsen, host of the Sunday Wire, and you are listening to the Alternate Current Radio Network. Liked it better that way Take me back to Constantinople No, you can't go back 
Constantinople, now it's Istanbul, not Constantinople, why did Constantinople get the works? That's nobody's business but the Turks. soldiers than you did. Welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Sunday Wire. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen, and we're broadcasting live from Austin, Texas, uh, here at the ACR 21 Wire Summit, first annual uh, powwow uh, here alongside adjacent to South by Southwest Festival. And I've got some anecdotal evidence, Hesher, that uh, uh, this morning that Twitter is fencing us out, uh, throttling our South by Southwest hashtag. Uh, So that's uh, and tweets. So that's interesting. There it is in real time, right here at South by Southwest. <laughs> that we're showing them that we know they're here, and they're showing us yeah. that they know we're here. Isn't yeah. that interesting? It's us watching them watching us. Right, right, yeah. right. exactly. So we're, so we're here in studio with uh, the Boiler Room, uh, some of the Boiler Room crew, also Mark Anderson uh, over here uh, sitting at the uh, head of the table as the matriarch. <laughs> or, sorry, that, sorry, patriarch. Sorry, um, that wasn't a Freudian I didn't, slip. I didn't vote for Hillary. When, no, what are you trying to say? That wasn't a Freudian slip. I Even should, I didn't vote for her. I, I don't tell her that, though. <laughs> you do a good uh, William Jefferson Clinton, actually. Uh, you were doing that last night. I was impressed. I've worked on it, and I did not have sex with that woman either. Oh, gosh, please. <laughs> don't, go, don't go there. Don't go there. And so, so, anyway, so yeah, we're getting throttled right now, I think. Well, at least so we have anecdotal evidence we are and uh, I, you know this is interesting Hesher so uh, I got barred from Facebook from sharing for the fifth time in five weeks okay they put a sort of a week ban not allowing me to share my own content on my uh, social network okay? amazing and uh, as I put this out on Twitter and all of a sudden out of nowhere this sock puppet account appears because I called out Mark Zuckerberg and Alex Stamos by name on social media and this this twitter uh sock puppet uh called green day zainab green day it's clearly a sock puppet said that you don't have any rights because facebook is a private company and they can do whatever they want on their platform and therefore you don't have any rights and they can throttle you and you shouldn't complain because you don't have any first amendment rights anyway this is becoming a very popular argument have you heard this before i have yeah this is circulating around a lot it is and so i so I said to this person, I said, are you American? I said, because if you're American, then you'll know that the First Amendment, freedom of speech, expression, freedom of assembly, it's not negotiable. That's, that's an inalienable right. That's right. And it, it, that right does not expire the minute you walk through the doors of a business. So what is the difference, Hesher, from uh being in a physical space like a store a venue for instance so you hired a venue to have a political rally or something like that and being in a social media 
uh, environment, a virtual space online. To me, it's the same thing. So your rights don't end the minute you step through uh, a space. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's a uh, infamous Boiler Room episode early on in in its run. I think it it might be episode 18. But uh, we had that happen. We went into a store, and I was wearing my backpack. And when we left the store, I was told that I had to let the security guard look through my backpack. And I said, no, I don't. You know, I'm leaving right now. And he said, no, you can't leave. And I said, yes, I can. You know, and I walked out with my backpack, and it, you know, unopened. And they followed me into the parking lot. And they called security, and they tried to, you know, start an altercation with me. You know, they tried to be very uh, <coughs> confrontational, and I was just very chill and relaxed. And said, "No, you know, sorry, you know, if was there was there a crime committed? Is there a, is there a law officer here? You know, otherwise you can't hold me. You can't take away. Essentially, you cannot take away my Fourth Amendment right because you are a store. Hmm. You're a store, and it's the same thing goes." For these platforms, these these social platforms. So, if you discriminate between uh, one type of political speech, in other words, you're deleting these accounts, you're censoring these comments, marking them as spam uh, because it's a certain political conversation, uh, and it's critical of the government, or it's sympathetic uh, towards uh, Russia or Syria or something like that, and then not censor this political speech over here. So there's clearly discrimination going on, on along political lines or along issue lines. Okay, yes. so that that right there, you do have a case there uh, in a court. So it's a question of who is going to bring that case to court and how far that that ruling will go or how far that complaint will go. Will it go up to the federal level? Will it be challenged at the Supreme Court level? So this is yet to happen uh, it's still. Okay, so it's also a question of how much money you have. Okay, let's be realistic. Facebook is not short of lawyers. Yes, can you lawyer up is always the big question for the little guy. So I would say if you're going to court against Facebook on this issue, they would have probably a minimum of 50 lawyers and a legal team of 50, let's say. Uh, and you would probably have a legal team of one. Yeah. And maybe a couple paralegals if it was pro bono or something like that. So, so it's a tough, it's not easy to bring to to bring that sort of challenge uh in a legal sense right so some but someone's going to do it eventually it's happening right now with uh dick's sports goods for example uh after the the parkland event dick's sporting goods has changed the uh age at which they will sell someone a firearm so dick's sporting good by policy now is saying if you're not 21 you can't buy a firearm here uh, and they're already being sued for it. A twenty, uh, someone who's—I'm uh, not sure who it was—but I did read that somebody has already filed a lawsuit, a discrimination lawsuit against them over their age. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you can become a, a military member, you can go to the police academy, you can do all these things, these jobs that require you to, to have a firearm at 18. You can go and die in a foreign country with that firearm, you know, or use that firearm to make people die in a foreign country, and that's okay. Sometimes, you know, they talk about mass shootings here, I'm using quotes, uh, they're largely very small compared to some of the things that uh, military people do in foreign countries. So, you know, it's just ridiculous, and, and people are starting to lawyer up and say, no, this isn't gonna, we're not going to let you take away our, our rights, our, our inalienable rights. If you work for Coca-Cola or you work for Pepsi or you work for a big multinational, uh, 
and you are employed by them, and let's say it was an Upton, an Upton Sinclair, you know who I'm talking about, don't you, Mark? Mm-hmm. An Upton Sinclair situation where there's no workers' rights, it's a sweatshop, you're being worked to the bone 24 hours a day, like like, like Nike employees in some far-off uh, country in Southeast Asia or something like that. Um, so... And you don't have any rights because you work for that corporation. Well, that's not true. You can organize if you want in a labor union. You can then negotiate your rights as a worker with your, with the company. That's, that was acceptable, although even less so today. Yeah. But that was acceptable in the past in history. Okay. So this, uh, this idea that businesses, you know, that you have no rights when you're in a corporate uh, realm. Uh, I don't think this is this is true. So, but this is the talking point that's being used right now to sort of justify uh, a quite an aggressive censorship agenda by Facebook. Um, and we're live streaming on Facebook right now. Hello, Mark. Uh, hello, Alex Stamos. And I just want to say that by outsourcing your gatekeeping to machine learning and artificial intelligence so-called AI, narrow AI, it's not intelligent at all, your algorithms, by outsourcing all of that gatekeeping to a machine, you are pissing all over the U.S. Constitution. And therefore, you are pissing all over Americans, uh, and it's disgusting. So am am I out of line saying that? No. This is the perfect place and time to say it, too, because this is South by Southwest. This is supposed to be a rock and roll fest. It was, what happened? It, Where did the rock and roll go? I saw some rock and roll bands, but all these tech people, that's not rock and roll. That is the no. opposite. That is the exact opposite. It's the opposite of the spirit of rock and roll. So so Silicon Valley hijacked <laughs> South by Southwest Music Festival, uh, turned it into a corporate uh, sort of, I don't know what to call dare it. Dare we say fascist. Yeah, dare uh. we say. Yeah, with government and corporations colluding together. Right. Mm-hmm. So what? So that's happening with the so-called uh, mayors at South hashtag mayors at South by Southwest SW uh, SXWS. Right. It so, went from the music to the high tech, and now to this mayoral movement that we talked about last night on the boiler room. Sponsored by corporations. Yep. So this is the this is what Mussolini called the uh, fusion of corporate and government. Interest. This is classic corporatism, classic fascism. I.e. fascism. Correct. Okay. So this is what's going on right now, just a few miles away. Abs- okay. Absolutely. And this is the danger of privatizing stuff too much. A lot of people of our ilk are always accused of being anti-government. No, we're anti-corruption of government. There is a role for the state. And over-privatization is going to lead to these assumptions of power, the will to power over others, where corporations will assume that they have the weight and the authority to, to change the rules at whim. So this is the danger of this hyper-privatization that most of these people uh, represent. Whether they have innocent projects or you know helpful things in mind like improving water efficiency or improving mass transit or improving energy efficiency. Which are all good things. It's all, it's all fine, but it's the way they're going about it. You can do, you can have the right goal, but do it in the wrong way, and that's mm-hmm. largely what they're what they're doing. So, so Hesher, like uh, twenty years ago, if you if you we talked about this on the boiler room, if you wanted to make it in the music business, or you're a band and you want to be seen and you want to have a chance to get a record deal, you had to be 
at South by Southwest. Yeah. You had to you had to show up here. Even if you weren't playing in the f- festival, there was other gigs on the uh, outskirts, right? There's gigs all over the place. There's so many yeah. venues here. It's unbelievable. I'd always heard about it, but I never really understood it till I got here. From it's, England, from it's Europe. Amazing. They're, they're, you know, they're coming from the UK. I knew a lot of UK bands that had to be here, basically, right. to if they wanted to make it in the American market, they had to be there. All the A and R's are here. Okay, so it was a rock festival, and now look what it's turned into. Some it, kind of it, it it's would been be, hijacked. Yeah, totally hijacked by the it's the, by the uh, the billionaire nerd class. Okay, and they've taken all the soul and sucked it right out. And it's a shell of what it used to be. Talk about revenge of the nerds. Yeah, <laughs> oh, the wrong kind of revenge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so they, they, but they do this to so many things, so many things that are cool, like uh, whether it's Woodstock, Glastonbury, and the Burning UK. Man. Burning Man. This is oh my gosh! <laughs> Don't get us started on that. Yeah. So yeah, Burning Man used to be a real, a real organic kind of. Real grassroots, grassroots thing, right? Yeah, now it's probably sponsored by Coca Cola or something. Yeah, you couldn't, you, you didn't have money, right? You didn't come to, it was all barter and trading, stuff like that. Now you can buy the VIP Burning Man experience, right? Yeah. With like air conditioned lounges and uh, cocktails and stuff like that. So, and the corporations are present, brands are present, right, at Burning Man? Have they, have they have they got in there? I, I can't say that for sure, but I would be shocked if they're not. Yeah. So anyway, but so they've they've kind of turned Burning Man into this commercialized plasticine version of its former self, and they've done it to South by Southwest, and they're going to do this. Has been done over and over. Mardi Gras, any any great uh, institution in terms of a festival has been co opted by corporations, and then had the the cool factor because what they're what they're Co-opting is the cool factor, because by association they're cool. We're rock and roll. Yeah, right. We're cool. We're, it's yeah. that. It's that bait and switch. Like you know, something awesome happens. It's grassroots. People flock to it, and all of a sudden, people on the periphery, you know, start seeing dollar signs there and opportunities to get in there because you have an audience. You have a large audience that is focused on the event. So I mean, corporations and now corporations being so political uh openly you know mm-hmm. and and here we are here we are at what was supposed to be a rock and roll fest a music fest and we have to talk about smart cities you know we have to talk <laughs> about mayors from coming into into this supposed rock and roll fest to try to foster globalism and letting letting cities have their own foreign policy and coming up with ways to disrupt um a uh, executive branch that they don't approve of. It's, right. it's amazing. So, so what do you think about this um, co-opting? We're talking about the music business, or you know, do you have any good examples of this of things that have been kind of taken over that were like really cool, and then they become Disneyfied, or and all of a sudden they're not they're not sort of what they used to be. Well, I, I know Hesher's probably better at this particular question than me, where where we're seeing bands that are suddenly, you know, like turning not... They, they were really great musicians for a long time and suddenly they're turning their music into politics. Mm-hmm. And they're pushing out agendas with their politics. Um, what's the, the lead singer? She's a metal singer. She's on a Facebook Live all the time. She... Oh, yeah. I don't even want to give her any steam, but I know yeah. exactly who you mean. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's she like... Was, 
Exactly. You know, there, I mean, there's there's actually probably several examples of this where it's like they were actually really great musicians, really, and they still are. They're still really good at that, but they've turned that platform into the propaganda platform, the indoctrination platform, and people that follow them and they're like, you know, you know, probably younger people, you know, that just, you know, they're they're, you know, super vibrant about music and or, or fervent. Um, they believe you know whatever is being told to them so these are great people to get out there and brainwash people and they go on you know facebook live they do youtubes and and talk about politics which they have no business in i questioned her while she was on a facebook live and and she insulted me she personally insulted me called me out by name i don't remember what the insult was it was in the nazi uh, misogynist race it was in that that vein and all i did was uh just say hey that's you know point what do you think about this you know i just pointed out a you, fact asked a question you used logic yeah yeah i just wanted to have a little discussion and i was insulted right away so and then you look at um uh ministry the band ministry yeah they were huge huge and and most people considered them to be an anti-establishment mm. anti-war i mean there there's some good songs in their back catalog um, and some some lyrics that were pretty right on too, but now they call him Uncle Al Al Jorgensen. Uh, but now he's writing songs that are pro Antifa. Wow. Okay. It's amazing. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Well, because he's he's projecting the idea that Antifa is this uh, grassroots uh, yes. anti fascist uh, thing when actually it's it's very much establishment. Uh, directed and run uh, so and, and speaking of shameless plugs we're not a corporation but uh, we're just going to get a tight shot of this beautiful ACR hat which is being sported by uh, our uh, lovely spore here alternate current radio hat beautiful yes. soon to be available as well yeah uh, at uh, alternate current radio and 21 wire and uh, get a tight shot of that sh- that shirt this is the limited edition Sunday wire uh, our, our South by Southwest uh, edition there. Uh, that's the show. And then on the back, yeah, that's the world tour. So those are all the shows we've done on the road. I got to get me one of those. Brock, yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool, huh? These are going to be really hot items. Yeah, it's going to be hot items. So anyway, we're we're sporting some new gear. <laughs> um, so we just started to mix it up a little. Rand, Randy's sporting the hat as well. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, yeah. A little water. Looks super cool on Randy. Anyway, so... So anyway, that's what's going on here, um, and so I thought you know we have to sort of speak about this. Because I, yeah. Do you mind if I just add a little? Something? Yeah, jump I've, in there. I've kind of been in and out here a bit, and you may have—I know you covered this a bit, but I guess the most shocking thing is—is is I think probably what you're trying to describe, but this discrimination, where it's like if you do not go along with the mainstream media, um, their you know their point of. Uh, what they're trying to relay, then you're going to be screwed from Facebook, YouTube. It's it's just like the strangest thing in the like world. Outcast, to me. like sort yeah, of outcast, total social outcast, or or just outcast completely by the cartel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it is amazing. It's like I mean, I've of course been following you for years, and you've never put anything. I mean, you're you're just putting like real journalism out there it's not there's not even anything like it's not even like a spores icebreaker where it's like risky or gory or creepy or anything it's just real information and you are being blocked out for 
talking about real subjects. Yeah. And that's a really, really scary thing. Yeah, had our organic search uh, uh, cut down by Google, God knows why and how, but uh, us and many other websites uh, from April 2017 got the chop, basically. And so now with 7,500, 8,000 articles on 21st Century Wire, which all used to be very accessible via Google, not the same anymore. You use the word cartel. That's very important. In this public-private partnership where you got privateers like Google working with certain elements of the government and the political parties, part of it, their anti-Trump thing, that's what is formed. That's what comes out of that is that that collusion produces a cartel. Yeah. And well, so that's a key word. Cartels work together and they fix markets. That's okay? right. So that's what cartels do. They they meet together in secret and they agree that uh, this is going to be the price for this. You won't raise your price because you don't want to take my market share and we want to make sure we maximize profit amongst each other. Banks are cartels. Yeah, the Federal Reserve itself is a cartel. They fix interest rates and things like this. And you have the interbank, the LIBOR rates and things right. like that that are that's classic cartel behavior okay so the in social media giants silicon valley giants are also cartels they're working together forming coalitions with like the first draft coalition with the new york times with cnn facebook twitter google alphabet all sitting on these committees meeting together in secret deciding how to throttle information and how to combat fake news okay and doing this completely in a private sphere with some sort of air of public license that they're doing it for a good cause to stamp out this awful scourge of fake news. And, and mean, meanwhile, get those populists out of the way and all these nasty people, you know. But the point is, the number one producer of, of fake news throughout history are these newspapers, are these broadcast television, is CNN, is Fox, is ABC, NBC, CBS, New York Times, the New York Times, the Walter Durante episode when they covered up the Ukrainian famine and Walter Durante lied about it and millions died because of the New York Times and many, many other examples like that. OK, right. so that that's the traditionally the mainstream media from from Horace Greeley to uh, William Randolph Hearst to Joseph Pulitzer. I had written about that on your website. Yeah, you did, during Fake News Week last year. Right. Okay. So in, all the way to the present, they've been doing it the whole time. They've always done it, and it usually has a war agenda behind it. Mm-hmm. And, and nothing's changed. It's it's worse now than it was during the Greeley-Hearst uh, days. Well, the wars don't end now. Yeah. The wars just go on, and they don't even become wars anymore. They're just... Police actions that never end. Wars used to have a beginning and a middle and an end, and you'd sign a treaty and you'd have a people would go home. But wars don't end now. That's a great point. Yeah, exactly. Eternal wars. Oceania is a war with East Asia, and it never finishes. Right. So so that's where we're at right now. So, so Randy. So you have the biggest fake news producers who who have a collective media footprint, billions of media impressions per hour, right? with a collective budget of billions and billions, putting out false stories, whether it be about Russia hacking the Vermont power grid and shutting down the Vermont electricity, or whether it's uh, uh, Pokemon Go has been hacked by Putin and is uh, leading people around in America off cliffs and stuff like that, which CNN, that was an exclusive, 
of CNNs, by the way. That Surely po- you jest. I'm not kidding. That Pokemon Go was hacked by, by the Russians and was misleading Americans. Pokemon Go, the game. Okay. Look oh, at, dastardly. It's, go- it's totally it. dastardly. <laughs> Google it. It said exclusive as well. And I'm like, wow, that's impressive. So, but, so they're doing this every day, every week. So you have the biggest fake news producers are forming committees to combat fake news. What do you make of this? Isn't that amazing? <laughs> the biggest fake news producers are producing... Or, or, or policing fake news. Oh, yeah. Well, that's just inbred cronyism, design and engineering uh, right there, all wrapped up in one. Uh, or what is it? Problem, reaction, solution in a closed loop right there. And then people could just, you know, tune it. To- Tune in and tune out by tuning in to to that. That's that's wild. Well, that's called controlling the the narrative and uh, social engineering in, in not so many words, I guess. You know, right there, case in point. So it'd be like it'd be like hiring ISIS to sort of help stamp out terrorism in the Middle East. <laughs> so we need people who really understand this problem. Call up uh, Bakr al Baghdadi and let's put together the uh, anti terrorism coalition. Let's get ISIS. Let's get Al Qaeda. Let's get uh, all these other guys and let's put them together. Let's get the CIA in there too. Mm-hmm. Okay, Saudi intelligence. Uh, and so forth, Turkish intelligence, and let's let's really get a A team together to fight terrorism. And they can explain how they get those perfect Toyota trucks and have endless supply lines of water and food and ammo with, without Western assistance. They can explain how they do that without the West's help. For five straight years. Yes, yes. For five straight not, years. Not, a, not even a missed meal. Not even dirty underwear, probably. Maybe I'm exaggerating. So but. that's the same thing as, as getting the mainstream media and Silicon Valley together to fight fake news, to put their A-team together. It's the same thing. They, it's proven they are the biggest producers of garbage, f- false stories, narratives that have been disproven. Errors, just simply error, I mean, yeah. on top of it One all. after another. Yeah. And, and, and okay, and so they're chasing bloggers. They're going after people on social media, on people with Twitter accounts. They're uh, independent media people. YouTube channel owners saying that somehow this is a problem. Yes, there is fake news out there. Yes, people are putting uh, stupid stories out. That's just the okay. Just it, the way it is. It I mean, happens. Yeah, it happens. But is the is the solution to it to put censorship uh, committees together made up of people who are egregious violators of prop, putting out propaganda and fabricated news stories like the Christopher Steele dossier? which was put out by BuzzFeed. And BuzzFeed is owned by NBC International, among other people. Oh, boy. They put $200 million into BuzzFeed. Ooh. Okay. Now, people don't know that. BuzzFeed is not an independent grassroots media outlet. Okay. They're corporate as you come. They're part of the Disney constellation, I think. Is NBC part of the Disney constellation? ABC. ABC. Is. ABC. Okay. So yeah, NBC came out of General Electric and RCA and... I forget the lineage sometimes. Okay, so you got them, uh, and you've got you know a, cu- a couple of others. Anyway, CNN ran the BuzzFeed uh, Steele dossier, so so that's fake. That's a fabricated story, which was given credence as something real. Some people still think it was real, still today. There, are, if a lot of MSNBC presenters talk about it, like there's something in there. 
but there's nothing in there. It was just a fake intelligence sexed up document, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so that's what they're trading in. They're trading in trafficking and that sort of garbage all the time. And to the point where the first taxi I get in uh, in Austin, the driver is repeating these talking points to me. And she, she, was, she was wonderful. Great person. Wonderful. Young. It makes you feel real bad for people that buy into this but, stuff. But when she, she's been uh, given dis, disinformation mm-hmm. and propaganda from CNN, MSNBC, the mainstream media, and she's she's one of many. And they take it on as worldview. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's just staggering to me that they can take just this this stream of talking points and just install it at the most fundamental levels of their worldview and you need to be you need to see russia as the enemy that's the point and so this is the object of this social engineering project as it were very successful by the way it's working clearly so about california what percentage of california people believe this narrative what if you had to do a ballpark because that's kind of a liberal stronghold right generally it's not completely liberal. There's a lot of conservative pockets in California. But what percentage of Californians believe the Russiagate narrative hook, line, and sinker? What do you think it is? I, I would say, again, off of gut feel, gut feel and living there and everything, you could probably literally go off of any, an electoral heat map. So where it's believed and percentage-wise who's believing it, um, goes up in in city areas and it diminishes as, as you go out. The more um, blue the voting was, the more it's believed. The more the more red or sort of that in between color, where you know battleground areas, depending how they're gerrymandering things, all those little areas like that. Um, toss up, flip a coin. California is not as um, liberal as some people would paint it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a crazy statement to some people, but there's there's many strongholds or sections or portions of it where people are not, you know, just card-carrying, um, you know, leftists or, or whatever. Um, and But the, the numbers, I would say, in, in short, yeah, look at the – look at any – at an electoral heat map and look at the percentages and look at the voting and it might literally the feel like the the feeling or the vibe i get is that it sort of falls in line with that that would be the t- that would equate to the number of people buying okay buying so, it or so not buying a, a, it. A, a fair amount yeah say like 70 percent uh yeah so, yeah maybe. um i would say maybe 50 buy it um, thirty don't, and then you have twenty just in La La Land. Don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't even know where when, it, when Russia is on a map. Yeah, they're yeah. the ones that can't pass jay- jaywalking on the old Jay Leno show. Yeah, yeah. What, was, what was the Arnold Schwarzenegger film where he went to Mars and uh, Total Recall? Total Recall. I just so, had it. Yeah. So when you said gut, when you said gut feeling, Randy, I had that vision of Quanto. You know that just popping out of the popping out when there. I have a gut feeling. <laughs> so oh, Quanto man. knows. That, that's kind of where that term comes from, doesn't it? Yeah. Does it come from that? I think so. I think it comes so. from Total Recall. Yeah. <laughs> so that was uh, I good old Quanto. Ask Quanto, sort of like the eight ball. You know, rub them and Quanto will I be rich tomorrow. <laughs> Have you seen the new eight ball that's come out? Remember the eight ball used to play and it has a triangle in it. Yeah, you shake it. And yes. It, no. No. Maybe. I. We. There's I, a. There's a new one out. Oh no. And it's a, it, the all the faces on the triangle says it says Russia did it. <laughs> oh. Have you seen it? 
no, matter, no, I'm dead serious. No matter, <laughs> well, it must it must be accurate then. If the eight ball tells, that's good enough for me. Then, yeah, then Russia did do it, I guess. Yeah, so you shake it, and no matter what, that's that's a damn good eight ball. Is it a uh, is it a seventeen sided triangle to represent each of the uh, intelligence oh, agencies? Yes. Wow. <laughs> and does the name come out to thirty three in numerology? Mm, right. Yeah, the seventeen intelligence agencies. By the way, that was retracted by the New York Times. What was the seventeen intelligence agencies? It was retracted quietly. By the New York Times, they basically said it never happened. Okay, who pointed that out? Robert Perry pointed that out. Oh, and so so, but yet they still run with it. Amazing, and that was a, a huge thing during the. Uh, <coughs> that gave credibility to the accusation. Everybody was saying it. I mean, yeah. huge names were saying it. So it's like it's not even a big deal that the New York Times retracted it. When's Hillary going to retract it? You know what was it? You know what the, the the main thing was? I was watching a CNN segment, and they had experts on. They were talking about terrorist attacks on U.S. soil, and they were talking about the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. Oh that this was an Al Qaeda attack, and like like the FBI weren't involved in that. And the real story of that that most people know, and by even the New York Times printed that. I think they broke that story after the fact that uh, the FBI the bomber. Uh, was an FBI informant or the driver? Yeah, I, I don't remember exactly. They gave the cell all the uh, material, all the money. They took them there. They're supposed to give them duds, but they gave them live um, uh, explosives. And so the thing went off. It wasn't supposed to go off. They were supposed to give them blanks, and they were supposed to arrest them at that point. But somebody made a decision in the FBI to do to go live basically with the uh, attack the explosion the whole thing from beginning to end was an FBI sting basically mm-hmm, to create mm-hmm. a terror cell then bust the terror cell which they do quite often and they justify that on the grounds of we're, we're getting the radicals and we're you know keeping an eye on them it keeps their budgets up there's a whole bunch of well, motivations there's, there's there yeah. there's that too but, right. but the amazing thing is mainstream media people in mainstream culture and media still talk about it as if it was some sort of organic terrorist attack on U.S. soil. And they use right. it to build a case, some kind of historical argument. And that, I'm, that's what I'm afraid this uh, Russia conspiracy theory is, is going to happen in the future. It's going to be appropriated as fact when, in fact, it never happened. That seems to be the, the pattern, right, Mark? Like they, they do that. We say the lie enough times that it gets beat into that, you know, 70-ish percent of people in cities like Randy was just guessing it, it, at. Exactly. And they they the Muslim threat is beginning to lose its sting. They have to have something to replace it with. It's like they're doing a redux, uh, Russia 2.0. Let's go back to the Cold War, only everything is flipped around like we said earlier. But they need kind of a new enemy cuz the old Muslim one with the turban just isn't quite scaring us enough anymore. Uh, and they've got to have backup anyway. Durka Durka is lost. His mojo. Yeah. And, you know, there's... So, and Osama bin Laden, dead or alive, whatever he is, he's lost his boogeyman status. Sorry, go on. No, no, it's okay. And, you know, I still remember Miss um, Miss Clinton saying at the uh, one of the debates, you know, just sort of jumping at Trump like she had this ready to go, you know. You question 17 intelligence agencies? You, you question the hardworking... Um, you know, government service members and, and and government employees and the intelligence community working every day to to keep us safe. What a brilliant line! 
And, you know, sure, there's truth to that. But, boy, was that a, a, a spin job extraordinaire. And, hello, these intelligence agencies, they have something called a black budget. And they have mm-hmm. and they operate in a classified world. And they do disinformation. So, yeah, question. I'm sure. Absolutely. Why not? I'm not saying they're not, you know, working on the behalf of the American people. I'm not saying they are. I'm not saying anything like that. But it was amazing how she just use that to just like stab and, and and make a point and and now you know talking about you know cnn and all these other people they sort of use that same line too like well are, are you are you saying that this isn't true to whomever they're talking to because intelligence reports say okay there you go it's that same very likely closed loop or sort of you know echo chamber in crowd even though it's a news corporation and it's the intelligence you know world that are sort of seemingly on the same page or i don't maybe there's your collusion right there yeah no no, definitely definitely you know about access to sources Mm -hmm. uh, how that whole thing works so a lot of these stories uh or basically cnn is it almost exclusively from Pentagon sources or intelligence agency sources? Well, the FISA memo, Pat, the FISA memo, that that whole thing with that, um, with uh, the way that got released and everything else, it's uh, indicative of, of that whole sort of inbred mm. or, you know, all on the same team sort of thing that they got going. Yeah. Yeah, it's all very interesting. Uh, the um, The situation is such where the media is supposed to speak truth to power, and they always, you know, the New York Times will say that. You know, the, the Washington Post has the slogan, democracy dies in darkness. Yeah, the darkness that they're bringing about. Yeah. And they're not speaking truth to power. They're in league with the power structure. If your only sources are the Pentagon and the CIA, and you you lambast anyone that questions those sources or questions the fact that CNN pretty much only quotes big government, and you say you're not speaking truth to power, you're in bed with power, and then they they, they say you're the problem for pointing that out. You're not they're, they're not speaking truth to power; they're speaking falsehoods in league with power. That's a huge reversal, isn't it? That, that's just like that's everything exactly they do. If you want to understand what they're doing, you just got to flip it around. Yeah. Everything is revolutionary to them. Yeah. It's like uh, FU is the new hello. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. And even here in South by Southwest, they're, they're bringing it down in their glocalism. They're bringing it down to the local level. And there's a, you know, there's a real structure there um, that they're trying to put forth. And uh, it, it seems to be uh, in line with the European Union and tr- what they call transland- transatlanticism. Boy, these terms in globalese, I'll tell you. They're transatlantic relations. They built the EU coming out of World War II. The U.S. is being re- remolded. And then they, they want to use the TTIP treaty between the EU and the U.S. to harmonize the regulations of each country. And then they want to have, then they want to have global cities in the EU and global cities in the, in the U.S. So there's a bridge between the EU and the U.S. Each will have global cities, and they'll harmonize their regulations. They're reworking this from the top down and the bottom up. This is what I've fleshed out over the last few years, and you guys have too in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's obvious. I mean, that's what's going on. I mean, you pointed out last night on the boiler room that there are CFR satellite offices set up all over the United States. 
Uh, and, and, you know, these are the types of people that probably go into town halls, you know, because a lot of this stuff doesn't work from the top down. It has to come from the bottom up and then meet in the middle. Uh, so, you know, if, if you're a, a city council person, you know, going there, you, you might want to think really hard about some of the people that are coming into there, you know, and if you're a person that doesn't go to your city council meetings, you might want to go check in on it. You know, who, yeah. who, who hears from the CFR office? You know, figure <laughs> out who these people are that are trying to influence policy at your local level. That's wild, man. Like, I mean, just say the acronym, right? Council on Foreign Relations. Yeah, what does that in, have anything in to do with town city hall council? In, you know, any town USA. The way the way it works, to be as specific as I can, is they're they're like clones of the CFR. The CFR didn't directly create them, but CFR okay. people will come and speak for these World Affairs Councils, and they're under just to clarify under the World Affairs Council of America umbrella. And under that umbrella are these 90 or so World Affairs Councils, mostly in the larger cities or big regions, and they're basically offshoots of the CFR ideologically, but not in the formal sense. It's a more informal thing. But they're all singing the same tune, singing out of the same world consolidation hymnal. And um, a lot of people just don't realize how honeycombed it is, the U.S., with these institutes and what they're doing in this transatlantic thing I described a minute ago. But that's that's the new fascism, uh, you might say, and that's how they remold the world from the bottom up and the top down. And they've put this taproot now deeply into South by Southwest. And so that's the global deep state, basically. If you want to say there's a deep state in America, if you want to say there's there's a, a network of deep states internationally, we could call it the global deep state, which exists uh, like the mortar between the bricks that are sovereign states. Yeah, that's a pretty good way of looking at it. And they're not all evildoers. They're not all malefactors, but they all sing off the same page. The media works with them rather than reporting on them. Mm-hmm. So it's just the fact that we're not informed about so it. When you say the media works with them, you mean the media just repeats the statements that are issued by these? They don't challenge them? No, the Chicago Tribune works, will moderate a discussion at the at the Chicago Council on Global Affairs, but will not report on it. Right. Oh, that's that's insane. Wow. Right. So even if they had great ideas, which they don't, but they have some ideas that might be palatable to some. But the fact is, is that we don't know about it. It's a restructuring we're not being told about. So even if they were, even if every other idea they had was a great idea, it's the way they go about it that's that's wrong. And and the globalese that you're talking about, this language that, you know, it's almost like you have to stop in the middle of the sentence or the paragraph or whatever you're reading and think about like transit, you know. This this globalese. It's the thing about it is it sounds really good to people sitting at city councils and you know what I mean people that are just sort of you know mainline surface level uh, people that think about policy do local votes and stuff like that. A lot of this stuff sounds great. Yeah, I want a sense making inclusive city that's yeah. that's not that's feminist and you know mm, mm-hmm. you know right mm-hmm. and, and and is a transatlantic hub for more inclusiveness and you know sensitivity in our sense making age mm. there you go let's let's, <laughs> let's disrupt uh, what was the term last night disrupting uh, disrupting um, uh, well go ahead and talk I, I want to get it right <clears throat> yeah. through his massive brief <laughs> we'll get that right but it's like this double they put these double negatives in you know oh we need to disrupt the disinformation or however they stated that. Well, here it uh, is. Disrupting global distrust starts local. So if you distrust the global system, you need to be disrupted. You see? That's amazing. Yeah. So which is is um, an act of 
it's a it's an offensive act. It's taking the offensive. They're not arguing whether globalism is good or bad. They're saying if you distrust globalism, you're bad and we're going to disrupt you. There's no argument there. They're not discussing anything. They're ideologically coming after you. That's the Borg. So you either submit or you know we're going to undermine you and uh, deal with you somehow. And that's a program here at South by Southwest, just to clarify, that's going on mostly Monday and Tuesday at the, um, uh, at the uh, um, Four Seasons Hotel at 98 South Jacinto Boulevard. Imagine going to that seminar. Oh, boy. I wouldn't call that enlightening, would you? I mean... No. no would, I think would, it would be insulting. What would you You wouldn't get that? in to be insulted. What would you call that? Okay, have you seen the war chest the U.S. government has just uh, earmarked for uh, fighting... Uh, uh, Russian disin- or no spreading disinformation to to fight back against Russia. The forty forty million initially has been allocated for this. I think this is through the State Department, right? Amazing. So anyway, so I saw Heather Newart uh, uh, also watching her perform at the State Department. She reminds me of I don't know what, but um, a spokesmodel. Remember the spokesmodels. On the infomercials, mm-hmm. she reminds me of a spokesmodel. But I'm going to say we're going to save all that money, forty million, because we have cracked the problem, and we did last night on the boiler room. We have located not just the Russian bot problem, but the Russian bot that is running all the bots. Yes, right here. There it is. So get a tight <coughs> shot of that. This is what is this called? And I thought it was a uh, toy. <laughs> my, the name might be yeah, off a little bit, but I think he's. I, I um, feel so gullible. Putin Vlad. bot two thousand or Vladbot two thousand. Vladbot two thousand. Yeah. So and as you can see, right now he's microaggressive. He's about to communicate with the rest of the bots. Watch this. If you're watching the live stream on Facebook, you are seeing an exclusive right now. Nobody else has this story. This bot. We don't know how it got here. It was just here. It just appeared last night during the <laughs> they, boiler room episode. They knew they knew it was gonna, this I'm stuff st- was going to air, so they got it here ahead I'm, of time. I'm still freaked out by that, Randy. Yeah. We don't know how it got here, you know. And so anyway, look at this right now. It's in passive mode, but but if Vlad, can you reach out to all of the Russian bots right now? And there now he's goes. in broadcast mode. And all look eyeballs, antennas, and ears. Look at that. We have got we've got the real story here. There it is. We have got the bot, Vladbot two thousand. So this is it. This is how it works. This <laughs> is how it. one bot can can control all of the bots. <laughs> and it looks like a toy and therefore it's fooling children, so it's even worse. Uh-huh. It's got us fooled because we're being sarcastic. <laughs> no, it's a damn Russian bot right there. There it is. He is, he is. So Mark, can you can you get a hold of Anderson Cooper? And just let him know that I, we've got a hold of this thing right now. We don't know how long we're going to be able to contain it. But if, if CNN wants this exclusive, we have the bot that's controlling all the bots. And Vlad our bot minds. I'll, I'll work on getting a hold <laughs> and of Anderson. This is it. Uh, no relation, by the way. This is it. <laughs> and it understands English. We're able to communicate with it. So this is a very sophisticated piece of technology. It was con- many languages. It's, it's many. been controlling my thoughts. I've been speaking like as yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm a, so it's influencing you. Correct. It's You're influencing not in, you. That's yep. not even your opinion. You gave a minute ago. This this bot is influencing <laughs> Americans. 
right? And Randy's a victim of that. I am. Randy's a victim of that. <laughs> Randy, you know, there should be more compassion for people like you. I mean, they talk about Russian influence. They talk about Russian meddling, but they don't actually go and cover the stories of the real victims of the Russian bots. And you're one of those, Randy. I'll sound like Anderson Cooper, huh? Randy, so I'll be Anderson Cooper, and you be, I'm interviewing you. So, Randy, yes, yes. what was it like? How did you feel when... when when you saw Vlad bought 2000 and I'm, I'm so sorry about the, the loss of your faculties and your agency. It must be traumatic. Well, thanks Anderson. And, um, how did you feel? How did you feel? Well, I, that's, that's just it. You know, I don't know how I, I felt. I was just sort of, um, you know, controlled remotely by, by a Russian bot. And <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, Anderson, I will watch your program, and that will unprogram me, so I'll be okay again. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah. Anderson, Anderson, this is your producer on the back line here. Uh, ask, ask the interviewer, uh, how do we know he's not still under control of the Russian bot? And, and how do you know, Randy, that you're not still, this is my personal question to you, not from my producer. <laughs> right. How, right. Do, how do you know that you're not still under the control of this this Russian bot, Vlad bot two thousand. How do you know? Well, I don't. I don't, and and that's why I want, you know, our government and and people need to act now and 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 unite and and organize and demand from our politicians that this stops. And I don't know what the hell this is, but it needs to stop. Yeah, because ideas are great, but we need action. <laughs> that is right? correct. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> said, said the 2018 firearm salesman of the year. Yes. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't even want to go there. I don't know if we're allowed to even say his name. We might get deplatformed. I, I you know. saw him in the HCR chat, actually. Oh, he's been there. He's yeah. been trolling us since last are you, night. Are you talking about the hog? Oh, yes. The boss. Oh, the boss. Boss, boss hog. Boss we, hog. We were saying hedgehog. no names. Yeah. Names. Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> but you you need sad. to show off camera, you need to show uh, Mark your major re- award. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. You haven't seen this. Trophies, pips, and all. You got to uh-huh. roll it out. <laughs> big time. Big time. <laughs> so that's the story. And, you know, it's it's not rocket science, is it? This this is how it all happened. You know, this is where it all happens. It happens right here between these two uh, cerebral uh, lobes here, which are sort of silicon lobes. And those there are very powerful Russian microchips that look like little red balls, but they're not actually. They're transmitting a tremendous amount of data out and this can control half of twitter right there <laughs> just that side on the right this one that's the facebook one there that controls the facebook memes all of that we've studied this by the way and ah. we've we know about these things um and we've got uh, we'll have uh Phil Mudd on in a minute to give us some analysis. I was uh, convinced 10 minutes ago you don't need to keep going I, you had me yeah and but we don't know what this, <laughs> what's this transmission dome on the top of this russian bot <laughs> What does that do? That goes straight back to the cerebral cortex of um, Mr. Putin himself. That goes to the Internet Research Agency okay. in St. Petersburg, I think. <laughs> right. So, which yeah. is hooked up to him, yeah. So, in some way. So, this is it. You know, if if they knew how simple it was, then you know. But anyway, so I think you know all <clears throat> everyone needs to know about the risks of these bots, and it's just to me, yeah, Randy. Go ahead. No, no, no. 
It's not Randy speaking. No. Uh oh. I think I think oh, that he may have been not. taken over again there when you squeezed it and the upper antenna popped up. I noticed that every time I squeeze it, Randy goes quiet. The, the, the sound doesn't stay on. Why is that, Randy? Why is that, Randy? Are you under the influence of this bomb? I'm going to doorstep. Doorstep you. I'm proving it's work. It works. We'll put it right there. And we'll, try to keep, we'll try to keep an eye on that to make sure that we know where it is at all times, just in case. So if that if that thing got loose, oh, it could wreak havoc. <laughs> if that thing got loose at, here at South by Southwest, can you imagine? <clears throat> Whoa! It could ruin it could ruin the whole technocracy that's gathering over there. If the Russian bot were unleashed, maybe why don't maybe we, we should just down, take it downtown? Let's take it downtown. It'd be our listening post. Let's drop let's drop this bot off downtown Austin next to the Facebook um, yes. event. I right? S- I, I've heard of this. It's called. Opening the seventh seal of revelation and unleashing hell upon earth. Don't do it. Don't <laughs> do it. Exactly. That's like the third circle of Dante's Inferno right yeah, there. That, yeah, that sounds a bit too much. Yeah. We could do that. Let's do that. Yeah, that would Let's be fun. That would be at least a fun... Uh, After the show, that's... What, yes, we, so we're going we're, we're gonna to wrap up in a few minutes, obviously, because we're going downtown to unleash uh, Russian bots on downtown austin so get ready brace yourself <laughs> brace yourself mark and uh, elon musk is in town as well yes or at, wow. or at least he was uh he gate crashed the uh space exploration did he come flying in in a tesla from mars perhaps you know he's launching the reverse cars. landing of the rocket he's pushing cars out in space yeah not the yeah. reverse film not the film being shown backwards but, but the landing of right the rocket. yeah <laughs> i was just speculating no facts there just speculation what do i know so there's all sorts. So it's 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 very uh, it's very uh, it's very trendy. Hey, listen, I got something here for you. This is from uh, one of our supporters, Creative Accidents. I talked about it a little bit last night, but today it's really kind of meshing uh, one of the ramifications of this. Um, there's a new uh, uh, MIT study. So a study by three MIT scholars has found that false news spreads more rapidly on the social network Twitter than real news does. Uh, I saw that. By a substantial margin, they say. So they say, we found that falsehoods uh, diffuses significantly farther, faster, deeper, and more broadly than the truth in all categories of information. So the fact that we now have an MIT study study that says this amounts to what's happening to us today, where one of us tweets something with a South by Southwest tag, and Twitter is out there. And <clears throat> this is not my words. I wouldn't normally say this on Sunday Wire, but Twitter themselves, their employees, consider people like us shitty people. So I'm sorry to say that to the they, audience. Well, they, no, they use the term. Yeah, right? it's their term. It's a corporate term yeah. now. So you know, you're kidding. I, I wouldn't come up with no, that. That's but, the level of intellect they're talking now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, can to, they spell that? To, you know? Yeah. To be fair, no, they really they have bad. to get them in a bar with a secret camera to get them to admit that. But their employees have admitted that. So we here are the SH people, and now our hashtags aren't going through. You can dang well bet that if you were to just do a hashtag search on South by Southwest, you wouldn't find any of our tweets. Mm-hmm. And once they see us start tweeting, you know, we were trolling Sophia, the uh, the AI bot from... Oh, the Android. Yeah, yeah the Android uh, right. AI person. <clears throat> they call it a person. It has personhood in Saudi Arabia. Uh, so they know what we're here doing, and uh, they're they're using you know they have a study like this backing 
backing mm-hmm. up their tactics now. Well, the thing about that study is, Hesher, is my last comment on on this whole fake news uh, uh, framework, is that they, they're saying that falsehoods trend faster on Twitter, right? But they're not saying um, uh, why, A, why the, A, is it a falsehood, which they've listed and mm-hmm. labeled, and B, why are people retweeting? Because when Donald, half the falsehoods could be attributed to Trump, for instance, because he's the biggest thing on Twitter. But let's say Trump puts out a gaffe, and it gets retweeted a million times. Okay. So there's, that's going to skew, that's going to skew the graph, isn't it? Why are people retweeting right. it? Because they believe it or because Trump said it and they're getting a kick out of it. And that's not included in the study, is it? There's a lot of that too. I mean, yeah. Trump is, is, he's one of the most brilliant web trolls that I've ever seen. <laughs> no, it is. He is. He is the god of, of, of web trolling. I don't know if he has help with that or what, but it's, uh, it's really amazing to watch him. And I think it's one of his best defenses against the dark arts of the mainstream media is to sort of, you know, just use their own tactic against them. A little bit of trolling, a little bit of, you know, overstating something. Provoking misdirection. people. Yeah, a little bit of pro- provocation to get people agitated and, you know, agitated about this over here when there's an 800-pound gorilla over there. You know, he's really good at it. So those studies are uh, incomplete. They're, they're not... Um they're, they don't have the depth to really describe the phenomenon. The heat mapping, the color mapping, is, it's worthless, basically. All it does is track internet traffic, uh, but it doesn't offer any qualitative... Uh, yeah, how do they know what truth is? Define truth. A truth is fa- tra- uh, traveling faster than falsehoods. Well, how do you know what's true and false to begin with? Well, today, uh, what, what's... Look at the list. What's perceived to be true today will be proven not true next week. Right. So it's it's a kind of a worthless uh, study. It depends on the issue. Is it an evergreen? Is it a fast-changing issue? All these criteria. So this is a post-enlightenment. This is a post-enlightenment exercise that has become more commonplace now, where the marketplace of ideas and the, the, the peer review process amongst people in media, the revising narratives with new information coming forward, they want to trash and dispense with all of that so that a elite Sanhedrin... We'll decide what's truth, what's false, and then track any dissent and say that, well, we know how many people are retweeting falsehoods. But, but the, the truth of the matter is that you don't know what's true uh, over a timeline in, until new evidence comes. There's narratives that have been proven to be false that were agreed by everybody. But because new evidence came forward, like Ronald Reagan holding the hostages in Iran yeah. until after the election. That was not proven until in the mid-90s. Right, long okay. after it happened. And, and the media wasn't interested in uh, tarnishing the Reagan uh, reputation, the legacy. So they didn't want to cover it. I know this because Robert Perry uh, uh, followed that story. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I don't think it was very popular because they said, well, why ruin the Reagan legacy with this bit of uh, inconvenient information? But it happened. It's part of history. And because of one journalist, one journalist against the whole of the mainstream media decided to chase that story, prove that it happened, that he wrote history. Interesting. Did that happen um, mm-hmm. after uh, Reagan passed away? Uh, I don't know, actually. That's a good... Pretty close, though. One it, way around that time, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. So one guy. So one guy and everyone else said, no, that's not true. One guy said, I think it's true. 
And he got the documentation eventually, and he proved it. And when he put that story out, uh, it got no attention whatsoever. You made a great point a minute ago. It needs to be accented. If they're retweeting it, they find it personally uh, interesting, entertaining, or they think it may be truthful. So the very reason that falsehoods are traveling faster is that a lot of people don't, don't see them as falsehoods. Yeah. Here's another thing, too. I'm looking at the, the, how they've structured this, uh, this study here, and it says, Moreover, the scholars found the spread of false information is essentially not due to bots that are programmed to disseminate inaccurate stories. Instead, false news spreads faster around Twitter due to people retweeting inaccurate news items. And then they quote, When we removed all of the bots in our data set, the differences between the spread of false and true news stood. But we have been called bots. Does that mean that they've taken everyone with uh, dissenting views and put them all in a bucket of bots? And, I mean, mm-hmm. that, that destroys the whole legitimacy of the study right there. Mm-hmm. They're just squelching dissent, a Sanhedrin virtual. It's, it's under the guise of this study. It's, it's, they're giving it an academic uh, pallor or uh, veneer, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's just squelching dissent. Dissent will not be tolerated. The high priests of information. Right. Self-appointed high priests of information. That's what you're dealing with here with these uh, Silicon Valley committees and these first draft coalitions, they are high priests of, uh, in the Ministry of Information. This would be the Ministry of Information. This is the embryonic Ministry of Information. Absolutely. It's a yeah. fascist cartel. Yeah. It's a fascist cartel trying to game the market of what's true and false in the public sphere, what's agreed as true or false. And it's a post-Enlightenment framework. Everything that we've learned from the Enlightenment to this point is being thrown into the garbage for political reasons and because a few people have accumulated way too much power and money by creating uh, zeros and ones software into social networks for instance as, a, as an example yeah so you know they haven't uh, done any backbreaking work uh, to get to that point what they have done <coughs> is they managed to build a platform that a lot of people jumped on and has various features and so forth they're facilitating a social network but who appointed them is the arbiter of what's true and false. Nobody. What's a fact university. And In this case, this study is done by someone who's doing um, their, their PhD work. So this is a, a person, one of the people behind this study, is probably going to be a professor at a place like MIT or, or somewhere similar. You know, and, and they're going to take this research. You know, we talk about how easy this stuff is to, to dispel, but... You know, 10 years from now, that's going to be embedded into universities. That study is going to be embedded into universities, or people are going to look back at it like, uh, you know, oh, that was the great, you know, the great uh, disinformation age of Twitter when, when the loving corporations got rid of all the, the Russian bots and the unbelievers and the dissenters. Quick question, legal, legal question. The FCC, Facebook and Twitter and, and Google, they don't get broadcast licenses right like a radio station no no so the fcc cannot directly regulate them right i don't think they fall under that regulation yeah because the fcc will say that one one company shouldn't own too many radio stations one company shouldn't own too many tv stations but no those uh that law was dispensed with in the mid-90s which was the regional ownership uh regulations that kept monopolies performing regionally and nationally they took down all those barriers uh, in the mid '90s, so th- so there's this vacuum then that they're filling, and and there's this absence of what would be proper antitrust regulation. Yeah. So th- there's a 
there's an avenue for investigation there, but we, we won't go on about it. But let, that, let me tell you, Mark, Google, Google spends hundred I don't know how many millions a year hiring law firms to advise them on how to avoid antitrust lawsuits. There you go. Okay, and they they use hundreds, I don't know, tens, dozens of firms, leading firms, or all Google clients. So if someone wants to sue Google for antitrust, they'll have a hard time finding a law firm that doesn't have Google as a client. Yeah, there you go. Okay. So this it talk about gaming the system. A valuable client. Talk about gaming the system. So Silicon Valley spend a lot of money with law firms for a reason. Mm-hmm. A to protect themselves from being uh, being held to account under antitrust law in America, and two to buy influence within law the the legal community so that no so you can't find a a high powered law firm that'll take a case like that against Google. Sometimes I don't know a little guy can't come in and ask for a pro bono case and say right Google's gaming their search. They have a 95% global monopoly on the word search, and they're gaming it to shut out certain websites on a database from organic searches. And they're doing that in uh, also they're sitting on committees with the New York Times, the Washington Post, Twitter. What's not antitrust about that? Yeah, that that just speaks volumes about, about why public communication, just like, in my opinion, money, Money itself needs to be like more like a public utility. There is room for proper regulation and proper control of monopoly, and they're stepping outside of that, and they're stacking the deck in the way you've described. But the, the infrastructure for communicating news and all that needs to be much like a public utility. It needs to be publicly accountable at least. And licensing isn't really necessarily bad. And the FCC, if they wouldn't have been defanged, could be doing something here. But you're saying they stacked the deck quite a long time so, ago. So, so it might have been private, but search should be a, a public utility if they have a global monopoly. It'd be like, my, uh, I don't like you, Mark, so I'm going to cut off your phone line. Right. What's the difference? Right. So I, I don't like you. I'm, not, I'm going to mute your website so people can't find you on organic searches right or what if uh what if the power company was highly politicized and they said you know what this hesher guy he's putting too much stuff out of his studio you're out of power you right. got it yeah force you to buy a diesel generator yeah you're right well ham, ham radio and diesel generator. you think about the smart meters and you wonder and i'll just leave it at that yeah. right is that not a kill switch or a remote kill switch just yeah. like the chip on your credit card. They same turn same it off. for the, the router here. I needed to alter the router here. And normally when I need to alter a router, do some firewall work, I just log in. But when we called the service provider, they wouldn't, and it may just be because I'm a guest, but they, I had the homeowner here with me as well. They would not give us the access to that router. They wanted to do it remotely. Uh-huh. And, and that's yeah. where that particular service provider is headed when it comes to IT support. They don't want people to know how to punch a hole in their firewall and do a broadcast. Mm-hmm. Right. On a tangent on what you just mentioned, that chip in your card, I used to sell these new, I think they're EMT machines. I can't remember exactly what the chip card reader machines are called now. Now you have to slide your credit card or debit card into the machine a different way because there is that little chip. And the whole reason that they dis- they proclaim that they were changing the cards is for your own personal security. Of course. 
It's well, not true. In fact, these cards are just as insecure as the previous stripe reading cards. Maybe it's, more so based on our personal experience. How many cards have we had to trash that have been compromised that had that chip on it? Like five now? At, at least. At least. I've, I seem to have to get a new credit and debit card every couple of months now. And they, um, they can still just read your regular numbers. You don't need the stripe or the chip for security. They can just use your numbers and steal your information. So what are those chip readers about? It's about tracking and, you know, that, that um, capability of just turning things off immediately. You know, saying yep. this, person cannot, this person can't check into this hotel or do this or that or whatever it might be. Can't buy or sell, as some would, you know, quote, rev- a revelation if they want to get into that paradigm or, or that view of it. So. So that's so. There's there's quite a few things going on. I think you know we had a heady discussion here. What do you think the odds are that the discussion we've had here in the last uh, few hours, off south, off Broadway, South by Southwest, is is more engaging, more interesting? Let me ask the people out there on Facebook Live. What do you guys think? I see you in the comment sections. Do you think you're going to get this at any of the Silicon Valley sanctioned events? at South by Southwest, do you think they'll touch on any of these issues? The ones that cost between 500 and 1500 to even go in, you know, to get that nifty little badge, yeah. Sure. So, no, I think I we're doing think so. I think we're doing a good, a good job at identifying what are some of the important issues that affect the most amount of people, that affect uh, your freedom of speech, your freedom of expression. These are important rights. Okay? Well, they're important to us. They might not be important to Facebook. And they're certainly not important to uh, Google. Okay, they give lip service to it. They they virtue signal about fighting fake news, but when it comes down to it, they're pro they're pro censorship. Yes, Fa- YouTube is pro censorship. Facebook is pro censorship. They're author- authoritarian corporate uh, entities that are in collusion with government to quelch squelch dissent. Form cartels and and political speech that is is undesirable to whatever the sort of ruling status quo party lines are. Okay, that's what they're doing right now, and there's a huge purge happening across YouTube. Yes, people's Twitter accounts getting deleted, uh, targeting. Uh, uh, listen, it's not just right wing as well. Lefties are complaining about this. This is now happening to people on the left, big names on the left. Big names on the left. So it's not just right or left anymore. And, and this is why people got to come, come together on this issue, whether they're liberal or conservative, because the, the one common thread I see between the right and the left that are getting, getting uh, crushed by, this, by Facebook, for instance, is they're all anti-war or they're all anti-imperialist. And pro-free speech. And pro free speech, they're getting hit, whether you're on the left or the right. That's the common thread. And it's important everyone realize that the people that really run things are not left or right. They don't look; those things are for the rubes to chew on. They're transnationalists. They know no hard, deep, uh, enduring uh, loyalties to any one country or, or ideology or patriotic sentiments or whatever they're they're above all that they're they they're men the men with no country as the late great author taylor caldwell used to warn about in her novels they, they yeah. know no country no no allegiances and you know what their big fuel is you know what their big commodity is right now data 
Yeah, it data. was money, and it moved on to data. It's data. That's the currency. That's the petrol. That's the new oil. That's another thing that the Twitter employees have admitted, that selling your data is their biggest form of income. Mm-hmm. You know, And that goes for those chips on the cards as well. That's not just for your security. That's to track what you buy at the store. And they, they can sell that data to advertisers and you know people that come up with marketing schemes. You know That's what this stuff is all about. We're in the age of big data now where everywhere you go, everything you buy, everything you think, it's all tracked via these chips, via these social media platforms, you know, and, and there is, you know, they, they've admitted that at, at the intelligence level, they can basically bring up uh, like a, a, almost like a 3D map of you, your activities, your worldview. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the kind of information that authoritarians have wanted throughout human history. And, and this, you know, short of like going back, you know, further than 10,000 B.C. and talking about Atlantis or something like that, this is the only time we know of where, where we're in that situation where all of a sudden authoritarians, corporate entities, uh, foreign bankers, they know everything about everyone or if they have the right connections, they can know everything about everyone and those demographics and that data and they have the software to crunch it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's too, it was too much before. But now they can look at it from way out and then they can zoom all the way. They can look at it from, you know, United States, California, uh, Henningsen household. Mm-hmm. And only every move you make is a data point. Uh, every Everything you buy, every store you visit, uh, every purchase you make, uh, it's all a data point, okay? And so a- every comment you make on Facebook, every, every post you make is a data point. And guess, guess who is reading this? Who is analyzing this? Is is an artificial intelligent uh, machine learning entity. So we're training the AI. We're we're training how two thousand. Everything we do is to train how two thousand, or whoever whoever it's called, the big brain in Colorado or Utah, Utah, wherever he is. Okay, or she. Sorry, you don't offend anybody. Yeah. You got to be inclusive, even with inclusive. AI. Don't don't you mess up there? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Sophie's supposed to be a woman, right, <laughs> Sophia? Right. Unless so. you change your mask. Yeah. You just put a different skin on, a wig on top. <laughs> so, great point here, and I just wanted to um, follow up on that and say we talked about this a little bit on last week's Boiler Room, but what they're doing is, this is I mean, this is all out there. This is public information. This is not conspiracy theory or anything like that. And the way that they're advertising this is that they are using all this data that collect they're collecting from us to help prevent um, the flu viruses, um, to prevent crowd um, trampling, you know, too many people in a parking lot. They're, they're helping protect the people. How did civilization make it this far without all this artificial intelligence? And what it's a amazing. great what a great sales point in the day and age of uh, you know uh, mass shootings at country music concerts uh, and exactly. mass shootings at schools. Oh, great! You know we love the system, and it's going to be even better if these AIs and big data collecting uh, softwares and devices and <coughs> databases, if all that can can stop, you know uh, a, a a crazy person from shooting up Las Vegas Strip, we're all in. You know, it's like people, they've got it to the point now where people are, you know, what you just said something really profound. It's, this isn't about right, it's not about left, it's about being anti war, anti authoritarian, 
you know, just really simple things. Anti-totalitarian. That, and yeah, everybody on the right and the left should be able to agree on those things. And that's not what we're seeing here at South by Southwest and throughout the world in, in the new age of, of big data and, and monitoring and uh, big brothering and, and the state as a parent, like we mentioned last night on Boiler Room. You know, there's not a lot of reassurance of what I'm about to say, but anti-war protesters were jailed during the Civil War by Lincoln, by Woodrow Wilson during World War One and under the FDR regime, and they, they, you know, they um, demonized Charles Lindbergh and the original America First movement and the so-called isolationist Burton K. Wheeler, the great Montana senator who was a Democrat, <clears throat> and they've, they've purged the conservative movement of the anti-war philosophy that it used to have under Robert Taft and under Lindbergh, but they used to put anti-war people in jail throughout all those wars. Now they're digitized the jails they, they were digitally jailed yeah, we're, we're in a we're in a sandbox now yeah, yeah and maybe that's better than being in the slammer so there's there's not much reassurance here but there is a historical antecedent to all this here's one of our uh, our readers here uh, on facebook live Stephen barnes uh he said i've asked this question how many times uh this data sells for how much it sells for how how much big corporations are willing to pay for it there doesn't seem to uh be any forthcoming answers anywhere where it's very difficult to get uh, uh, that information because act- it's invaluable. Yeah, it's invaluable. It's 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 a it's gold basically. Yeah. It's what it's what's running the system. He also says Stephen Barnes. They even use cameras in stores to track people's movements, so they know where to put the expensive goodies yeah. uh, and where people are more likely to buy them. That's basically. exactly right. It's not. It's it's like even your eye movement. Like what what attracts your eye in a Walmart or whatever. What like level? okay, yeah, yeah. What level? What colors? What what is the most drawing thing to to all these individuals? You can. Put Put that into an algorithm and figure out the best way to advertise your product Jeez. through that. Yeah. What what items did people almost buy? You know, it's like they have they can say, well, you know, this isn't selling quite right. Let's look at the big data. Oh, well, you know, this type of person picked it up, but then they put it back and they chose this, and then they can analyze the difference between the two products. I mean, it's it's an endless rabbit hole. Sp- hair splitting. It's like the old underdog cartoon. I will do what Simon says. The, the only thing they haven't done is actually make you buy something. Right. Overcome your free will. I don't know. There's Obamacare. They kind of made a lot of people buy into that. Ooh. Simon Bar Sinister. Yeah, yeah. I will do what Simon says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take the blue pill in the ring. <laughs> I love that cartoon. It's yeah. a political allegory in a number of ways. Well, it used to be anyway. <laughs> they don't like the underdog anymore in America, no. do they? No. Yeah, he, now, he was a populist. That's the problem. No, <laughs> the hit series would be Overdog just comes in and crushes everything. <laughs> <laughs> Overdog. That's that's what it, that's that's kind of where things are. Well, at, everything's a one eighty. Yeah. Everything is if it's underdog. Well, that's got to be overdog. The real spirit of America, the real rock and roll spirit, is the spirit of the underdog. Yes, it's the, it's the little guy who the odds were against him. The little gal, the little gal, little guy. The odds were against him and or her. Being politically correct, <laughs> inclusive, inclusive, uh, and sense making, and, and that was that was the American uh, uh, mythos. Yeah, and so that's that's what motivates people. That uh, that idea that's it's there's a gloriousness in that, you know, overcoming the odds. And now these days, it seems to me like that's given less, uh, oh yeah, currency, and it's more of the overdog culture now. Yeah, or who's got the most money and the status that goes with that? Where Paris Hilton became an icon <laughs> because she inherited her uh, father's fortune, rather than that little person who had nothing who made it up through the ranks and, you know. 
struggled to get noticed and that used to be the narrative now it's simon cowell will come in and if you're chosen selected to stand on that stage you'll yeah. be you'll be a star basically or maybe it'll be a popularity thing it'll be like uh, it could be like that or it'd be like a survivor thing where you get voted off the island if you don't you know you don't fit in right socially Right, right. You didn't eat the roadkill, so you're you're out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's a big that's a big shift in terms of uh, yeah mentality. The, the the little person fighting and and working hard to to succeed in favor of hey, I just got a lot of money, instant fame, and wham, you know. Yeah, that's where the power is. Right, you need to be where the power is. You need to submit to Facebook's uh, as a private company and waive your rights of free speech, and you have no power. Paris Hilton, you just mentioned uh, Creative Accidents. Just let us know that Sharon's up to a million dollars for a DJ set. She can walk into some party and be the DJ there. Wow. A million dollars to sit there and push buttons. Yeah, and to put click, a CD in. Yeah, click probably. play on her. Probably MP3. She's got one laptop and one unit like this, and... Yeah. A million bucks. Nice yeah. work if you can get it. That's mm. amazing. Yeah. That's just a high level of... Uh, For what, like an hour? Mm-hmm. Hour. Probably. If you're lucky. Yeah. If you're lucky. I, I don't... I'm, Until she drinks too much and pukes, probably. Yeah. And then they put, you know, a stand-in in. You know, speaking of empowerment, uh, Melinda Gates, along with uh, Elon Musk and uh, Sadiq Khan, the, the new Obama, they call him the mayor of London, that are all at South by Southwest... Melinda Gates is pushing, and I know I, I can get brutalized for this, a lot of us can, the women empowerment thing, which, of course, is a very tricky thing because uh, traditional motherhood, any kind of traditional feminist uh, living is downgraded or demonized or just pushed out of the picture. So there's nothing really wrong with women empowerment per se, but it's completely one-sided. They look at no ideas of tradition in raising families. All of that is discarded. So at the very least, it's just completely one-sided. So the empowerment is kind of seductive to women, and they give up the idea of raising families and having children, which is the bedrock of society, mm-hmm. uh, including raising the little man up, you know, by his bootstraps. And not, so, well, look, I'm going to interrupt you, Mark. It's not just uh, women uh, targeted in that sort of um, uh, framework. Uh, men are also being yanked, yes, from right. that old equation as well. <clears throat> But you're no longer the provider, the protector. It's, it, it's male and female. Uh, right. It, it's, it, this is deconstruction, classic uh, postmodernism. Yeah, if they gave both sides even, but they don't. Mm. And, and the, you know, empowerment can be with a small E and a little bit of a leg up. That's okay. But Melinda Gates is empowerment with a big E, and it's doing the, the rather destructive or deconstructive things that you're talking about. And that's happening also at South by Southwest this year. Is that whole concept racist, though? Because if you look at civilization, or I'm just sort of – being maybe I don't know well let me just spit it out it was that whole concept racist though because you have tribal cultures and and civilizations that go back for millennia tribal Africa tribal Amazon tribal Europe tribal Europe Middle East um, current Middle East current you know African um, societies and cultures man women sometimes polygamy this that and the other getting you know also wiped out and obliterated by this sort of technocratic slow crawl gradualism change that we see going on and um but those are the people that should be defended and protected because their culture and their race and their tribes and imperialism's destroying them don't do that well when you when you 
when you crush the family unit, as it's traditionally been for millennia, that's what you're doing. It, by old definitions of racism and imperialism, that, that used to be bad. But they're doing that, but it's not even brought up. It's so, just not brought and up. And in their inclusiveness... It's looked at from and, a completely within the confines of Western civilization right. context. And they, all these dispossessed minorities, dispossessed communities, all this inclusiveness that the people at South by Southwest and these global mayors and all these people call for, those that, who are excluded are the very families and notions that you're talking about. So they're real inclusive, except for families don't count. I think what Randy was kind of alluding to was that um, th- this method of conquering, dividing and conquering, this co- colonial or old imperial method of or subjugating, defeating, conquering, uh, that now this this same method is being turned on uh, the last uh, territory to conquer, which is the uh, the inland empire, as it were, or, yeah. well, or, or eating itself essentially, and, and also the the hypocrisy of it. Because if you just go on a pure racial, you know, basis and cultural basis of, you know, African tribes and, and families, um, his, Hispanic, you know, everything, um, South American indigenous peoples. Okay, well, those are different races. Those are different cultures. And they were all, for millennia, family-based. Man, woman, children, family. Sometimes polygamy in, in different places, but just, you know, let's not get caught up in the weeds here. A, a, a family, a, you know, typically male, female, biologically, and then child offspring. Well, that family unit has been um, sort of torn to, torn to shreds o- over the years um, in recent history. You know, talking on a historical level, the last hundred years, that's getting sort of less and less in westernized culture. So... If they're for these peoples and for these minorities and, and for cultures and civilizations and diversity, they're simultaneously they're they're talking that on one hand and they're stamping it out with the with the left hand. They're dismantling all those right. uh, 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 structures and it's in their DNA. It's been people's DNA. The last hundred years is a blip on the timeline, right? Compared yeah. to previous millennia. So I get I I take your point, Randy. Yeah. I take your point. Meanwhile, Melinda Gates' husband, Bill Gates, is giving vaccines, some of them very hazardous to these very same tribes. Oh, God, we've got an anti-vaxxer in our midst. Uh-oh. Well, Uh-oh. you know, people in the chat room did are I say, Did I say bad vaccines? The people in the Uh-oh. chat room are I said, they're reading your mind. They're saying uh, things <laughs> like theorist. Melinda Gates equals Margaret Singer. Yeah, you can't question vaccines, Mark. That is, uh, that's going to get you in big trouble. You know, I know. That's a, you're not going to get. Uh, You've just been tagged a Russian bot on Twitter, and you're now shadow banned. That's right. Well, then the Russian bot must have made me say that, uh, and I didn't that? see it coming. Oh, there it is. Putin bot did it. <laughs> okay. Broadcasting now. Somebody slap Mark around. We got to get the. We got to get the Putin airways. Well, off well of it's him just there. the fact that that and, they not only denigrate the family in these tribe tribal units, but they give them these often untested or under-tested vaccines, and their, their, their effectiveness is at the very least questionable. Mm-hmm. And that's more degradation, more damage to what uh, he was saying. Sure. And 60, 60 vaccines before the age of three. Yeah, that's no problem, right? Just keep jabbing them. Just keep, yeah. good for you. At one every four weeks for the first you, three you years You couldn't possibly life. take more vitamin C or olive leaf extract or lysine to boost your, your immunity. No, you, you have to have targeted 
you know, boost the white blood cells, targeted vaccines. The whole idea, the whole theory of it is very flimsy, and that's another discussion for another day. Ask Jenny McCarthy. She'll tell you. She got absolutely attacked. Yeah, uh, for for being a, a vaccine anti vaccine campaigner. Yeah, because she had an autistic. I believe, in my correct, she had an autistic yes. child. She Her did. And she, Jim Carrey. She yeah. did a ton of research <laughs> and Jim Carrey, and they they it seemed throughout the years it took a long time, but they reversed the the adverse effects of the vaccines with nutrition and diet and um, right. And she's been, you know, shamed for this pretty much. I mean, there's a huge community of people that follow her for it, but uh, there's a lot of people that, you know, claim that they're just crazy people and that, you know, diet has nothing to do with anything and vaccines are good for you and they're going to prevent you from getting sick. So let's talk about women's empowerment. How how awesome is that by Jenny McCarthy, uh, who was uh, an objectified uh, model, really, for her whole career, to, to then step out of line, take on the establishment for her child who is disabled. She should be celebrated as like that. You can't think of a, a more empowering story for women or anybody for that matter than that. But yet she was demonized. The she was attacked, discredited. Right. Tried they, they tried to uh, make her seem like she was uh, crazy or something. Who is they though? I mean, this is the, coming back to the media, the media, the way that that she's been portrayed for doing these actions. And I mean, I agree with you completely. She's a such a great example of somebody that's like standing up and saying something that goes against the you know the grain. It's you know she's speaking from her experience to have your child be you know to um, be affected by these drugs that were pushed into the system and then do all that research and and take the action and change the diet change the nutrition and then have this effect where it's oh this you know this is actually making a difference and then have the media come and be like oh well she's you know a kook she's crazy you know it's just she's like a vaxxer totally demonized yeah, yeah a vaxxer mm-hmm. almost as bad as being a truther yeah. Oh God! Mm. You can't use that Truth word. Truther and vaxxer, well, you can't, you anti-vaxxer. Can't use that oh, word anymore. Exactly. No, that's a derogatory. <clears throat> but they got tons of these terms. Anything I mean, that ends with er, where an <laughs> er doesn't yeah. belong, is probably a derogatory term. Yeah, I don't like isms personally. I don't like ists and isms personally. Uh, yeah. Now we got the er, the ers, the ers. Boiler rumor. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh no! I coined my own er where it doesn't belong. Boilerism. <laughs> Sunday wireism. Yeah. He's a boilerist. Bot, bot handler. <laughs> boilerist. I like that boiler boilerism. Yeah. I feel a t-shirt coming on there. Yeah, huh? Boiler. Boilerism. We could do a series. We could do a series of them. You know, put a quote from the show and say boilerism number three hundred and twenty-one. Yeah. Boilerisms. That's good. Yeah. I feel that t-shirt coming on. Actually. Yeah. Or, or toilet book. That'd yeah. be a nice toilet. Oh, book. it would. Yeah, boilerisms <laughs> like a like a Jack Handy sort of thing. Yeah, the Lou Handbook. So. Hey, anyone out there who hasn't seen the exploding autoimmune epidemic, go check that out. Type that into YouTube and and check it out. That's a good place to kind of follow on to this conversation we're having right here. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're going to uh, say goodbye uh, for this edition, special edition of the Sunday Wire, and uh, we'll do a whip around the table real quick before we go. And uh, Spore, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Always, it's 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 an honor to be here. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Sunday Wire, of course, already. But um, this is really just an amazing experience to be at this table, you know, next to you and and you, Mark Anderson, and and Randy J, and 
the man behind the camera, Tim. Everybody here, Hesher, of course. You too. Yeah. So thanks, thanks, sport. Thanks for being here as well uh, this week. Thanks for uh, helping to to bring everybody together. You guys, everyone's done an amazing job. Yeah, uh, sport. Sport is the glue that holds a lot of this together. So we we do thank you. And also uh, thanks for your presence as well, Mark. It was a kind of a surprise uh, last minute uh, parachute. We knew that you were causing trouble uh, down there downtown at the festival or looking for. Looking for trouble. Yeah, uh, my, my, my videographer friend, Ron exposing and I trouble. are looking for trouble all over Texas when we're here. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me on. It was great that you let me know you were coming from the UK to the States. Uh, the timing couldn't have been better. We nailed this issue like no one else could have. Uh, we had the perfect timing, the right information. We believe it's accurate. L- listeners can check it out more. Uh, one shameless plug, I got my blog at thetruthhound.com or steamit.com forward slash at truthhound. Steamit, of course, is S-T-E-E-M-I-T. And I have some articles coming also uh, with your help on 21 Wire. It'll be about global cities, a little bit more about the Bundys, other Bilderberg, other issues coming up. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be just pumping out the news, all of us, like crazy. And it's it was great to be here. And a, it was a fun event, a fun venue. And and I think it's a very effective way that what we videotaped yesterday, I'm really hoping to get that linked all over the place. Yeah, we we'll so, look forward to seeing that. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. But uh, great issue. It links to your other work as well, really well. It, it is linked, by the way. It's not you, you making the link. These are integrated uh, events and agendas actually oh okay the same people at you know pushing uh these issues and these agendas which you know right absolutely yeah, yeah. so Mirandi, uh great to uh see you in the flesh uh in real life uh, once again I'm, I'm not just an avatar or a screen name yeah yeah, yeah. yeah you're so I know, the last time we uh we saw each other was like 2014 or 15 sorry 2015 yeah, yeah you and jay yeah yeah down 15 so that was great great to see you again uh live and direct Sure. Uh, here on the alternate current radio network and Infidel Farrow who had to uh, leave uh, uh, during the last break so I got a, quite a long distance to drive uh, so great to have him as well as a boiler rumor absolutely there's others who couldn't make it oh, go ahead I just want to say a quick hello and a quick shout out to uh, all the listeners in the United Kingdom Funksel, Miles Elliott Sonic and the other ones that I'm forgetting just and this isn't Randy J talking but it's uh well, this is my avatar right now. It's the bo- sustainable bobblehead. Sustainable bobblehead, British bulldog. But um, hello to the UK out there, and and uh, I almost said God save the Queen, but uh, hello, anyways. Uh, shout out to the UK <laughs> listeners, <laughs> rule Britannia. So and uh, thanks, Randy. Sure. Thanks, everybody, and thank you, uh, Hesher. You are the sort of engine that makes it run, and you are like Scotty on Star Trek, and. Are you part Scottish? Yes, I am. Well, there you go. I'm, yeah, so. I'm always trying to bring. I'm always trying to bring you more power, man. <laughs> more power, Jim. <laughs> so yeah, so it's great uh, that we're able to do this here in this format. Last night was amazing. Uh, the boiler the room, great, great episode. This this turned out to be a great conversation. Uh, so you know, we were a little slow at the beginning, but it picked up. Yeah. So for all of our uh, people on Facebook Live that got a chance to to watch this, I mean the comment section's going crazy. Uh, so a lot, they loved it. So and fantastic. Again, yeah. So great, uh, great conversation. We'll we'll hopefully follow up on some of these threads. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Excellent. We we who knows we may turn the stream back on later on. We'll see. We we've got the amazing Ron Avery here with with a camera rig. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna get out of here. We're gonna close the show out. We're gonna have some uh, some team meetings. 
you know, look a, look a little bit down the road, see, you know, what we can do, putting our heads together. Hi, everybody out there on Facebook Live. And if you missed last night's Boiler Room, it is in multiple locations. You can get out there. You can find it, of course, at alternatecurrentradio.com in the main slider, up at 21stCenturyWire.com, as well as Mark Avery's Livestream.com account. Just Ron, Ron Avery, it. yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Ron Avery's Livestream. Uh, Livestream.com forward slash Ron Avery. You'll see the uh, South by Southwest episode right there. That's right. Boiler Room. So you can go check out the video feed of that. Uh, big thanks to Ron for doing that because that came out really well. We previewed the file last night. Looked great. It was really cool to be on video. It's something we haven't been able to do yet at, uh, at ACR. And uh, we wouldn't have been able to do that probably without Ron and, of course, uh, the 21 Wire team here, too. And I want to thank 21 Wire for, for setting up uh, this venue for us because you guys picked an awesome spot. What a great time. What a brilliant idea to do it during South by Southwest. It really provided a lot of uh, information for us to chew on. And, uh, you know, just really stoked to be here with you guys. Stoked to be here with you guys on Facebook and everybody out there on Livestream.com. And be sure and join us for Boiler Room every Thursday night live or pick it up on podcast if you happen to be across the pond. And that's at 6 p.m. Central every week. And same for Sunday Wire every Sunday. It's usual bat time, usual bat channels. And uh, we'll, we'll be here to keep, keep this ball a rolling. Also, big shout out to Taiwan Radio, always being so supportive. Miles of Truth, Sonic, Steve, Fee, Shmami. We love you guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we're going to do, a, we're going to, if anyone missed last night's live boiler room, that's what's going to play next on the 24 7 ACR radio stream. So that boiler room replay will be up next. And we're going to follow that up with a couple of mixtapes. Uh, our buddy Funk Soul admitted, uh, submitted a great South by Southwest mixtape we were hoping to play yesterday, but uh, on, on our normal Saturday music day. But we're going to do some music after the boiler room replay and we'll see where we're at. Maybe we'll reconvene. Turn some cameras on. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll be downtown with this guy right here. So bring the bring the camera in. Uh, just want to say thank you, Vlad, for uh, well, you know, taking the time to be here. Uh, I know you have to go and do what you have to do downtown in Austin, but you want to say something to the cam- camera, Vlad, two thousand. Das das vidanya, das vidanya. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. So that's it. That's it for this week's edition of the Sunday Wire. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody out there in the ACR chat room. Uh, you guys have been strong uh, in there all weekend. So uh, good crew in the ACR chat room. And thank you to everybody on Facebook Live uh, for your comments. And do share this live broadcast, this live rare video stream uh, of the Sunday Wire live here from uh, deep in the heart of Texas in Austin, South by Southwest. And uh, that's it. That's it for this week's edition. Uh, We'll see you next week uh, in another location, uh, probably uh, somewhere across the Atlantic. And, uh, yeah, so that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Take care. All the best.